podcast, everybody. Um, it is polarized. It is you are now in the polarized zone. Uh, we are the podcast that meets all the polarizing movie needs. Um, we talk about movies that audiences and critics disagree on via Rotten Tomatoes. Sometimes audiences love it. Sometimes they hate it. Sometimes critics love it. Sometimes critics hate it. When those two camps are diametrically opposed, we enter the polar zone, everyone. You are now in the polar zone. And the movie this week is a little ditty called Empire Records from 1995. It has a 31% rating uh, versus 31% critics rating versus an 83% audience rating. It's uh it's a pretty big gap there. It's a it's a that's a pretty big gap. What is it? Like a 52, 52%. Um, differential. That's one of our bigger ones. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Like, oh, am I going to have to listen to just this guy the whole time? I'm James, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Am I just going to have to listen to this James guy the whole time? Do not worry. Do not fret, my dear, my dear audience member. Uh, it's not just me. I have with me today the greatest co-host to ever live. He comes straight from the polar kingdom. He comes straight into your earbuds to mm. preach to you the, the nuance of the sinew of the, mm. of the polarized soup that gets mixed up when the, these audiences and critics come together. It gets all mixed and, and diced up, and I can't, I can't figure it out on my own, so I need help. I need the one and only, the great Brandini. Hello, hello, good hey, friend. How are you? How are you doing today? Man, I got to put my chef hat on because I am cooking up a soup of conversations for this polarizing movie. Ooh. How the hell are you, James? I'm great. I'm. I, I invite everyone to come around the, you, the fire oh. and 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 uh, we'll we'll pass I, you a bowl you, of, of soup. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's gonna. It is. It's a soup. It's a cocktail. It's a mix. <laughs> it's uh. It, it's all of those things that you put together and you uh. Yeah, you let stew. And uh. Yeah. I. I God damn it. I just. I, that was such a wonderful intro. Some, some I feel people so, say it's so like <laughs> when you're when you're polarized. It's it's like mixing oil and water. You can't do it. You can't do it. But here we mix no. it. We mix it all up, we, and then we, we come out on it. the other side. And we we figure out, you know what? These people uh -huh. don't disagree as much as they may. Maybe they do in some in some cases, but we find the reasons why. And then and some of those reasons are complete bullshit, I, th I feel like. And some of them oh, yeah. make a lot of sense. And some of them have nothing yeah. to do with the movie. And the, today's today's an interesting one. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion and we're not going to downplay that entirely what we're going to do is we're going to get to the heart of the middle because a majority of the time we that is where these movies lie realistically because i think the conversation online is unrealistic i think we all know that i think we all can agree that they're unrealistic when we people can be hyperbolic they can be just disagree with each other for the sake of disagreeing but i i we're definitely gonna get to whether that's tr like worth it or makes sense um and yeah man it is it, we're 
we're cooking up some good. <laughs> we got something good for you folks. And this is, this is going to be a great episode. And I know what you're thinking. Am I just going to have to listen to this James guy and this great, brand, oh, this they, great Brandini guy the whole time? Just these two dudes um, that are just going to drone on about empire records. No, nay, I, nay, I say not this week. We got a very, very special guest. I am the forever guest, but we have a very, very special special guest limited time guest this week she asked me specifically to introduce her as the number one live tyler uh stan yes number one okay perfect 90s live tyler 90s live tyler Okay. Okay. I'm curious okay, about the differential. Okay. I'm, I would like to know about that. Okay. We have, we'll we have Kara in the building. Hello. Hello. Not Kara. Kara in the building. How are you? Hi. It's Hi, Kara. I am 90s Liv Tyler Stan. So can you can you express to me the range? What is the range? Does it begin? It begins here. Where does it? Do you know where it ends? I guess 1999. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> just all of the 90s. Gotcha. Uh, I'm a big, big Liv Tyler 90s style person. Like, I love her style, her look, and she is my number one inspiration for 90s style. Well, you would you would lump in uh, Lord of the Rings into that, right? I mean... Yeah, is that 2000s, though? I mean, I guess I have to add that. Yeah. yeah. Technically 2001, yeah. Yeah. But, but I... Yeah, I... I totally get that, though, because given the fact that her dad is a rock star, like she has just grown up with people like, how do you feel about just Steven Tyler's style in general? Because, I mean, I'm sure his style influenced her, maybe I think a little a little bit, but I'm just curious, like. Because, yeah, he has been known to have a particular style. So I'm, I'm I'm curious what you think. I mean, you don't have to necessarily, like, you can factor it more so of, like, the 90s and 2000s. Because I think now the way that he dresses at the age that he is, it's a little inappropriate. That's my personal <laughs> opinion. But I would love to hear where, you come from, where you're coming from about his style. And then, yeah, I, and her style as well. Like, what about 90s Liv Tyler is so good? Um, I don't really know Steven Tyler, Steven, right? Steven Tyler, Steve, yeah, <laughs> Steven Tyler yeah. style, that <laughs> Steve style, yeah. but, um, yeah, Stars. it is a little key. Uh, be- uh, bell um, bottoms, open chest uh, shirts. Um, yeah, like a yeah, very it's rock a little, and roller. It is very rock and roller. It kind of is like, a um, what's his name from Rolling Stones? Good singer. Oh, Mick Jagger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of a Mick Jagger vibe. Mm-hmm. But um he now looks sure. like kind of like your great aunt when you see like modern. Oh modern, my like, god! Right. Now he looks like your great aunt that's like uh was into art, mixed with artist. like a Jack Sparrow kind of vibe too. Very yeah. much Jack yeah. Sparrow vibe, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally not into it, but I'm all for people who have their own like style like who have like just experiment sure. and go wild because i'm not that kind of person so i like admire people that are like that that are loud and like funky their style i never thought about that crossover though and i was i was dumb enough we we watched all of armageddon last week and i only at the very end made the connection i'm like oh yeah steven tyler did all the music for this and Liv tyler's in the movie look at that i never even thought of that that's so amazing um but 
I mean, she was she was huge at this time. That was the movie we did last week was Armageddon and uh, and this one. But 90s? She was. Yeah, it's like it's not huge. It's a recognition. She's like kind of at a Timothy Chalamet, like like around Call Me By Your Name, you know, era where she was in uh, a movie that uh, premiered at Cannes. Uh, there were there was a lot of buzz because she's just an incredibly beautiful person and she is interested in acting. And there was just a at this point, a lot of buzz because it's Steven Tyler's daughter and Aerosmith is like super fucking huge. And she's interested in acting. She's starting to do these uh, movies. Uh, she did a the, music video that Michael Bay directed um, for Aerosmith mm-hmm. and she was in it. And that was, that's kind of got what got her in Armageddon, I believe. Part of the reason. Yeah. Part of the reason for sure. Yeah. But like the, it, this, this movie came out before Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like she, she's on this rise she's on this trajectory where everybody's like man that Liv tyler i think she's going to be really really huge and i'm curious to get into what you think about her performance in this because um yeah it's it's interesting to say the least (laughs) did you like Liv tyler in this movie car um i that's the other thing is like I haven't watched enough of her movies to like know if I like her acting or not. I don't necessarily love her as an actor, but like I just love her like look and style. So if anything, mm. like I'm watching her for her like facial reactions to things and like how she looks. I'm not really watching like her performance because I don't I don't know. There's nothing about her performance that like makes me excited. It's just basically she's just so beautiful to look at. That's how I feel about Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> that exact same thing of like, you could totally replace that person. And it like, as long as the person is equally as symmetrical and beautiful, like then it just kind of does the same thing. So you're, you you're know? a Chalamet skeptic then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely, I, like I'm coming clean as a Chalamet skeptic because <laughs> big news, you know, there is a part of me that just feels like I, I just described is that I get why he's a movie star because he's photographed and filmed so incredibly well. Cause he's like symmetrical. He's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it was this person just cooked up in a Petri dish. Like he's got this jaw. That's like insane. <laughs> like it's a jaw and chin and like, uh, curly hair but not totally curly it's like this whole thing that is so um it and uh very yeah i don't know it's a look that people really enjoy right now but how is his acting it's very competent um i don't want to say that he's a bad actor but to your point cara is you like say he's like overrated is is where you're going probably yeah just just overrated for sure uh see i have to agree with you about everything that you just said about timothy chalamet like i also think that he's like nice to look at but there's nothing special about his acting but i'm a timothy chalamet stan so like oh. it's funny because i'd like watch what? all oh, okay. like, <laughs> you still watch- you're like i still watch pull, pull you away everything you said but i love him <laughs> i love him but and i, I want to see him in everything <laughs> because i love looking at him <laughs> he's so interesting to look at like i also like to see like his facial expressions like 
No, I like yeah. to see what he does. Um, he has a lot of potential too. He's only starting out. That's the thing about some actors is like, I like just I looking at some actors, else. you know, like it doesn't matter yeah. how they act. I just visually like looking at some actors, even if they're of like course. weird looking, like that's even more interesting when you're like, like Crispin Glover, like he's interesting to look at. Um, I feel like I, I, they are known for their faces too. <laughs> and he must be like really nice to work with. I mean, like yeah. you can't just get away with like being interesting mm. and I don't know. And, and we are like in good performer and everything. He must be pretty nice to work with, or I, I don't know. It's like people's love for him overshadows any, any of that or something. But, uh, that was, man, I feel like he, him and Crispin Glover could somehow go for the same roles in an interesting way. I agree. <laughs> uh, uh, totally. Yeah. He's like, but you're going to get extra so much weirder. Glover you know out of crispin glover like crispin glover's really gonna get you there kind of like he looks, uh, robin. Still, he looks like he's difficult to work he, with too christmas he does sorry what would you say oh kind of i guess like i would start to get into the comparison of like robin uh toonie uh the girl who shaves her head a uh, deb um like she's really interesting to look at as well and acts way better than Liv Tyler like I I don't think she's as beautiful that's why Liv Tyler is in the like you know girl that has everything but is really frustrated and uh, about how uh purposeless life seems because everything has been given to her but it's not like she's a bad looking person as well there's a lot of good looking people in this I mean I mean, let's not bury the lead. Renee Zellweger's in this, and she's like, she's noticeably better actor than Liv Tyler is, and she is equally as beautiful, in my opinion. And I mean, I think her career has demonstrated why, like, how that pays off because obviously she's had a much more recognized, bigger career than Liv Tyler has, but they are playing opposites of each other and they're the movie would like to posit that they're at a similar level, though they're coming from different places. Like they're at a similar level. Here's both two good looking people. Um, in this movie, they have to deal with emotional and like parental kind of, or like societal stuff, but man, Renee Zellweger just, and then she sings in this movie, which is really quite incredible. But I mean, well. yeah, I like mean, per performance wise, they're given similar material to work with and everyone kind of has like a flaw mm -hmm. or, or, or something, an arc and something to go through. It's an ensemble cast. Um, and yeah, and I think there's a reason that both of them continued to have careers, but as far as performance uh, goes, I think, I, I think we'd all agree that Renee Zellweger, yeah, actually, absolutely, killed, it. absolutely killed it, and oh. with a you know pretty complicated character. But I think it's made that way through her performance, you know, because exactly, it's like I think because I think Liv Tyler was given a lot to work with as well, or like she could have, you know, she she made what she wanted out of it, but there was something that was like a little not fully realized about the addiction to speed. You know, it's like, that was her, her, that was her big thing is like, she's addicted to speed and the way that those things would come out would just be like freak outs here and there. Um, but the build up towards those moments didn't seem, didn't make that those moments seem earned. Like there, there wasn't as much of like a, it just, it just like, you know, had that very telling scene of her taking that one pill and adding a lot to, of weight to it because of how it was directed. But in her behavior and everything 
There was nothing different about her except for those, like, save for a few freakouts. But Renee Zellweger, I think, was just so present in every moment where there were scenes where she was light and goofy and fun. And then there were scenes where all of that, the range of emotion changed, uh, changed on a dime. But also made sense, like like Liv Tyler. Okay, like the best example. Uh, no, is probably Liv, yeah. Liv Tyler. Totally if we're already getting it, I mean, I, th- I think this is a good avenue into the movie. Is Liv Tyler and Renee Zellweger at, um, you know, their scene when they're sitting outside the pizza place. Yeah, like L- Renee Zellweger starts that scene happy and ready to have a good, nice pizza with her friend or something. And she's then, on a break with her friend. Yeah, yeah. and she's mm-hmm. confront friend and coworker. Liv Tyler's uh, an absolute jerk towards her and calls her a slut or whatever. No turbo slut, I think she says. I think she yeah. says turbo slut. Um, and then that change in Renee Zellweger's face into her response was just, uh, yeah, I don't know. She's just very masterful and like very much like you feel empathetic towards her. And with Liv Tyler, yeah, it's you touched on it before. Is like the she's trying to find something to rage against and, uh she seems to be afforded every opportunity, but she's kind of like complacent or apathetic about what, what life has given her, which is such a nineties thing, uh, which we can talk about as well. But I just, I I thought that anyways, I'm getting off track. I thought that scene was like a really good expression of both of their characters, as well as just how great Renee Zellweger is and her song at the end, man, like her, her singing that, uh, that song is is sugar high. Yeah, dude. I thought I thought she was great. Um I I agree. I I mean, the first time I watched it, I didn't I was younger too, so I kind of, you know, was just yeah. didn't really yeah. think about her, but like rewatching it, I was like, "Wow, she is amazing." And this was before she was like even famous, right? Like this yeah. is what she A couple years later, she does uh, Jerry Maguire, and that's what really like kicks it off. But it's like Jerry Maguire happens like I think three or five years or something like that after. Maybe it's sooner, but I don't think so. Like I think three on an average is probably when it happens. But yeah, so like she's up and coming. Yeah, she was so like I was just glued on. My eyes were glued on her like the whole time. I just thought she was so amazing. Yeah, it looks like Jerry Maguire was the the next year. So. Oh, next year. I'm she was, sorry. She was, wow. she was about to 96 was, um, was Jerry Maguire. So yeah, she was about to, about to launch as well as Renee Zellweger was about to launch in uh, Armageddon. If you know what I mean? Oh, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Yeah. Liv Tyler. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I messed up the joke. <laughs> I messed it up. <laughs> they both I, they're both launching, which is uh, perfect because Armageddon has two rocket ships that launch at the same time. So I mean, right next to each other. They instead of instead of freedom and independence, they should have named it Live and May. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! He saved the joke for me. Yay! <laughs> Put their faces on it. They just walk. <laughs> oh. Let's uh, let's get let's get into this movie though because I really want to talk about Lucas as a character uh, as like a choice uh, and just like everything about Lucas because man oh man uh, that, that that guy is uh he's making some choices um yeah I just god I'm the casting of Lucas must have been he brought so much to that that wasn't thought about as the lucas character and then the casting 
director or whoever was like, yes, you're like thinking about this role way more than we were, because there's a lot of lot of stuff that you can say about this movie where it doesn't seem really thought out. It just seems we got to hit these mm-hmm. plots and we got to hit these beats and then we're going to just make a movie. Um, but man, so we start off the movie uh, with Lucas talking about the rules left for him uh, by Joe, the owner of the record store. Um, and he is, the rules are count the money twice don't drink my beer. And is there a third one? Mm, I don't remember. Okay. Let's, let's say it just, it just, it just just strolls into like the movie. It's like almost like starting in the middle of a scene that like the beginning of this movie, it's like, Oh, we're starting. Oh, it's starting. Oh, okay. And it's just kind of like very (laughs) casually matter of factly, like moving along through these, like, kind of devastating decisions that Lucas is, is making in, in this moment. And I do agree that he's making a lot, he's making some big decisions, but I do think a lot of his decisions as an actor is like one of my biggest problems with the, this movie. Unfortunately, I mean, there's, there's plenty of problems, but his performance really, really got to me. And it's honestly, I think it's very one note and, and that's, oh, yeah, that's harsh, sure. but it's like, it's all, everything that comes across is like, I'm better than this and I'm over it and I'm pretentious. And that while that's like an interesting character to be like, you know, there's, there's high fidelity that the book is out and that movie's about uh-huh. to come on. And that's like a, a huge thing. And it's like John Cusack plays the pretentious record store guy, like to a T really well. And they present that character in an empathetic sort of way or that you like, Oh, I know that. I know that guy in my own life. This, I don't know. Lucas comes across across as like reprehensible, like non-redeemable to me, like irrede- mm-hmm. irredeemable character to me. And I don't blame the writing necessarily like completely because I find a lot of the other characters like interesting yeah. or I'm curious about their arc or like how they're doing or if they're a- going to get particular. what they want. Yeah. And then this is just my whole thing on Lucas because it was really keeping me from no, please. Fully, yeah. fully diving in and enjoying this movie because he's there's so much about him. His one like flaws, yeah, he like wet the bed until he was 10. And I get that like that expresses that he wants to be perfect and he doesn't want to reveal himself because he's he judges everyone for being like, I don't know, some version of perfection like that, like he's that everyone should be striving to reach you that he's reached or something. And he's that gatekeeper sort of record store guy. And yet I just do not have any empathy for him and i was constantly driven mad uh thinking about why they wouldn't just turn him in luckily like i really enjoyed the manage the uh i love like, joe joe yeah, yeah joe sure. the boss i mean like not the boss man the man or whatever but like the mm-hmm. the boss of the the store i loved him and he was loving enough for me to understand how much of a father figure he was to these kids no matter how fucked up they are Thank God for right. his performance and how well he did it. But damn it, man, like this movie starts to go back to it with Lucas doing all these things with such a like disdain for what he's doing himself. There's there's not really a part where he's like. Even when he does say it, he's like, I'm going to save the day and I'm going to save this record store to the people at the craps table. He says it with like disdain even then, too. I don't know. He says it with like sardonic, yeah. sarcastic sort of tongue. 
with deadpan expression on his face. And, and there's some, there's plenty of lines to deliver like that, but he delivers every line like that. And that set the tone for the movie in a, in an off sort of way for me, him, because it was, it set the whole movie off him and his decision to take the $9,000 from Joe he, he saw that music town. Is that the name of the place that's going to take over? Yeah. Uh, is going to take over with this cool kind of slide over. Oh, I made a note of that. Of yeah. Effects. It's so silly. I, yeah. I liked it. It was just like, I no love that. So and you put it right over. Right. It's like, this is what it's going to look like. It's like an overhead projector, yeah. clear slide. And then all it is is to visually show you, like, who the fuck couldn't imagine that that's what that's going to look like? <laughs> like, to, to manufacture this whole, like, little package of oh the signs are gonna have our branding on it it's like yeah no fucking shit like i you would come up with as as somebody who's who's familiar with marketing and and whatnot do you think that would be done in uh in this time in the in the 90s they'd be like absolutely let's pull out (laughs) let's pull out the overhead and show you what it's gonna look like I, I, it is funny because there's definitely still a desire from some people to see what things are going to look like. And that's where AR and just overall, like you can do it in Photoshop, like now, right. Is like, I'm going to send you an email of what the branding is going to look like for the uh, facade of the building. And like, you would do that. So I, I get where it comes from, but it's just such a fun oddity. So I guess I would just say like, I get why it's there, but the, the mechanism of it was so fun to me where you would get like a, manila envelope or vanilla envelope or whatever it's called and then it would just be a white uh, like opaque paper with the storefront and then it would be accompanied by a clear paper and then you would just have to sit there and go oh, <laughs> it was like indiana okay. jones style, like, <laughs> wow so that's what it would look like huh you just gave me a great idea there needs to be vanilla manila envelopes that taste like vanilla when you look <laughs> or smell like vanilla. Yeah. Or smell like oh, vanilla. You want to oh. eat it? Manila vanilla. <laughs> manila but vanilla. I, I love the, like, I loved that part. Like for me, I'm such a visual person. So like visually seeing it was so satisfying. It's almost totally. like, I don't know, like a, it was almost like a puzzle, like a missing piece in the puzzle or something yeah. for me. I, I visually liked it. It was the most quick way to like explain what was going on. <laughs> totally. And that's why I wouldn't downplay, like, especially as a marketer, like I get why people would want to see that happen for sure. Like, and now what we have, the technology is AR in particular. Um, and then, yeah, you could just do it in Photoshop of like, here's what, here's a picture of Google maps, me taking it like the storefront and then superimposing, uh, the branding onto it. And and honestly, it really does like matter to people to see that visual because they're like, okay, this is not only like, it's also like a visually the change that's going to happen. Okay. So we're going by making this deal, this is what's going to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Selling out. And you can't sell out in the nineties, dude. That's a huge deal. That's like the death of art is, is, is selling out. And that was like a visual representation of like, no, we, we gotta, we gotta stop this. Um, but now what you would do is, is what you're saying. He would go in there and be like, Oh wait, what's this? A QR code. And then he like, yeah. his phone, uh-huh. looks at it and he's like, what is this app? He clicks the app, downloads it. And he's like, 
what? And then he goes outside the building, holds it up to the exactly. and he's like, that is exactly what happened. Yes. That is so exactly in the remake, in the remake of this movie for the 2000. All right. And that's the thing with movies nowadays is that we have to have this complicated scene of things, people figuring out things because uh-huh. like nowadays, like, I don't know, people just want more explanation to, for things. So you can't like just randomly put in like paper with the, um, what is it called? The, the clear, over like now see this whole like demonstration of like how something is going to be done i feel like people just want more information nowadays that like you can't just have like a simple scene of that it has to be like this complex way of getting point a to point b and, and, and there's, I mean, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things where things are stressed. I mean, if especially when I'm thinking about like a Netflix show or something, it's like, why not stretch that out a bit? Um, and, and, you know, rather than make it a movie, just make it like an eight episode really long show and you can show every part of that. But if, even if I don't know, this would be, good, would be a good time to talk about it as well as the the production turmoil of this movie. Do you did you know anything about this? No, uh, no, 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 please tell me. The this movie was meddled to death by uh by producers and 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 was truly like edited the fuck down uh from the director's original and writer's original vision of what they wanted to wanted the movie to be. Um they were the director wanted this movie to from her experiences uh wanted to be, or maybe this was the the writer, uh in particular the director's in particular yeah the writer she wanted she worked in like a record store made this script about her experiences and and working in a record store and everything to like um and and wanted to uh make the movie they uh got this director from what is it pump up the volume with christian slater was made before that he made that so they got him canadian director i yeah i didn't yeah i didn't know that and now when you mention it all like pieces together the canadian production of of this movie like it's so canadian makes sense and i think it was made was in wow where was it north carolina something like that it was filmed something like that at least uh, ex- delaware. Ex- delaware. delaware my bad uh thank you cara um and at least like exteriors and and stuff like that but this is it's just fascinating because i thought it was i just thought it was so interesting it had a similar production cycle as Armageddon almost where Armageddon was successful. This one was put through the same ringer of like, we need to have a soundtrack. We need to have a soundtrack. We need to have a single, we need to have a band attached to the movie and we need to make it more about the music and the director and the writer wanted to make it more like dramatic, excuse me. And about the people and this movie was filled with a lot more backstory between the characters. Apparently, there were a lot more scenes of just like one-on-one with the people, like like explaining why certain things would happen. And then the, the production company, the producers came in, they edited 40 minutes out of the movie, 40 minutes out of the original edit of the movie. I get that. Maybe it's okay. It's it's not going to be the original edit. Cause that'd be like, I don't know, pushing almost two and a half hours. Like it's not going to be that, but 40 minutes, like maybe cut 10 minutes, make it two hour movie or something, but this is a tight hour and a half movie. It feels, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it feels segmented. It feels like start and stop a lot. It feels like it's, it's just all over the place where things don't lead 
smoothly to the next. Um, there is a lot of music. There's even a point where it feels like it's going to break out into a, a musical, like a song or something like that. And these it things kind of does. Yeah. And these things were kind of like more put in the front. And then the character stuff and the drama drama stuff was removed. And this was because they would, they tested it with audiences and like they would test it with like demographics of like younger, younger people who this movie was made for and the generation that it's talking about and they would love it. Then they make it for old pe older people, the older demographic and they fucking hated it. So this was, this was polarizing for the right reasons. I feel like at the beginning, I mean, it's still, it still kind of is, but I think even to touch on what we'll mention as well later is like, the critic side, I feel like would rise a bit more if I don't know, the original take of what they wanted this movie to be might have been uh, been honestly done and per, and made and given to given to the people how they wanted it. And it was there was so much backlash about it and everything, too, that they came out with a DVD because they didn't give any support for this movie at all. They didn't like market it. They didn't do anything like it. It was originally supposed to come out in a bunch of theaters and then they like dropped it and drop the amount of theaters that it came out to it, it, it like made a paltry, like 200 something thousand in box office. Nobody knew about it. And then it became this cult cult classic cult sensation that people started sharing the, the tape of and everything. And, and they took notice when like tapes and videos were VHS and DVDs and everything were more prominent and they made it like a director's cut edition. What is they? Oh, they called it something like that. Um, or super fan, like fan edition, something like that. And everybody fucking hated it because it wasn't the directors. It wasn't the Zack Snyder director's cut. It wasn't the full, the full thing of what he wanted. They like threw some things in and then took other things out that people liked. And so this just has such a troubled past this movie. And thank you for letting me go on this whole history, history lesson of this movie. Cause I watched like one to one YouTube video about it and it made me so sad at the end of it to know like what they were trying to do with this movie, the themes and how ironic within this movie of what it's about, about the man coming in and meddling with a record store that's doing its best to exist and, and be its true on itself. And they're trying not to appease the man that's coming in and telling, telling them what they want and sell out and everything. And then by the end, they sell the record store and they're like dancing on, on top of, of it. And it's just kind of like, so emblematic of the production of this movie as well of like, you know, the meta, yeah, you get the metaphor is like the record store is the movie, but yeah, I, sure. I just, I just think it's such a fascinating, uh, backstory that I didn't know until like I finished the movie and like learned a little bit more about it. And all of it came to view of what, of why I didn't a lot of the reasons I didn't like it. Cause it did feel like, what are they trying to do here? Like kind of pick a lane. Like, are you trying to be, it'd be cool if you wanted to be a musical. It'd be cool if you wanted to be more of a drama or something like that. But this is just all over the place and I can't, I can't keep track, but thank you for letting me go down, go down that. That's, that's kind of like the, where this movie's coming from. This, this is a time when soundtracks were a big fucking deal and they wanted to like sell the soundtrack on this movie. Even the trailer we watched earlier Right at the end, it's like featuring a soundtrack by the Jim Gin Blossoms, uh, 
some toad frog sprocket i forget there's like some weird weird 90s bands. oh the wet uh sprocket yeah and and listing all the bands that are going to be on the and you know it's like titanic and armageddon and all this stuff is like they're making money on on soundtracks so that's that was a big part of it too um and if i yeah oh i was just gonna say everything that you said kind of adds to like why it is such a cult classic like i feel like if um i'm I'm assuming a lot of people know about, or not a lot of people, but I'm sure like the true fans know the backstory and like probably adds to like why they like it. Like how you were saying about like, they ended up like, you know, in the movie, the manager ends up quitting instead of like winning the record store, how like in a normal movie, you'd like win it and you'd like it back. Like he just ends up quitting and he's like, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And like, I mean, it base, they were basically defeated, but they're, but they still were able to move forward. I like being like, I'm out of here, you know, and the movie, every with the, um, how the movie actually, anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that. No, no, like, <laughs> like they, they, they stuck to their, <laughs> to the true to themselves. And that's what was most important. That was, that's a huge thing in a lot of, a lot of the nineties movies as well. Yeah, and he was even like, oh, yeah, I don't have the money to, like, buy back the record store, but whatever, like, let's just quit and then, like, have a big party and we'll figure out how to move forward after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say, too, the, like, the thing that makes this movie good is that it has a lot of heart to it and there's a lot of performances that are just enjoyable. Yeah, like, uh, you know, it's interesting hearing what you're talking about because what that makes me think of is even though there was 40 minutes to it, it doesn't need to be longer. Like this movie, it, the choices in what the runtime is were poor because it doesn't focus on like, if you really wanted to like make this movie even better, you would have focused more so on like Deb killing herself and like things that are like really edgy and emotional and interesting to somebody at that age of like, you know, uh, AJ, he's, you know, having to try to figure out like he really enjoys uh, drawing and painting and all of that and having fun in like an obscure, like weird sense. And there isn't like a daunting, like societal pressures thing. There isn't really much backstory with all of the characters that get into the like more deeper, edgier emotional content that this movie could have that movies before and movies after it have that are much bigger cult classics than it what it does is it just rests on the fact that there are some really wonderful genuine performances that are just like enjoyable to watch and that's okay too but it's just it's not going to it's not going to stick with you as long it's not going to push like it's not going to become necessary to teenagers at this time it's just not because i'm i i the th- again, the things that I do like about it is, is when it gets into like Deb killing herself and then having like a, you know, a whole eulogy to that, like that stuff. I thought is that good. was one of the coolest scenes. And, and it was such a bummer Amazing. to me that they like jumped away cut, from it inter- so quickly. Intercut it. Yeah. Like, oh, and this, the, is a, uh, this is a, a cool, interesting way to, to do this, especially given who these characters are. It was so absolutely. believable and it was so like the way that they confronted and went through like therapy for someone who's suicidal, essentially. I, I uh-huh. just, I just thought it was like, wow, you could really live in that for, for a bit and, and have, and even have her talk back or whatever. Like, that's fine. Whatever. And, like, that's fine. Yeah. And, but then like, 
even within that scene, you brought it up for me as like one of my favorite scenes. And it was just like such an ex- expression of my issues with the movie too. Cause yeah, they would be like, they'd start talking about other things. It's like, no, about how busy the record store is. You gotta live and then in this. Yeah. Like you gotta live in this, this moment right now. This, Hold is, this it. is huge. Yeah. Like this is like, and when I'm, I don't know, it made me think of like, what is it? Huckleberry Finn or something where he gets to watch his own funeral. And that's always like this weird fantasy of like, what would people say at my funeral sort of, sort of thing. And it's like, we're going to give, give you that. And I, I don't know it. And, and also it's, yeah, to bring, I brought up high fidelity, high fidelity. And it's like to have that movie in your knowledge and having seen it, which is kind of like, I don't know, not to whatever, not necessary viewing, but it's like a, it's a wonderfully it's a wonderful movie and, and and it holds up so well. It's just, yeah, it's just monumentally better, but I will say like this, this like empire records does, it does express the feelings of a generation and it does tap into that when a lot of movies weren't doing that, like at the time, like as well, apparently, because a lot of people were magnetic towards this movie. And there's a reason that it is a cult classic. And there's a reason it has what an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes and um there there's a reason for that. I I will so however like state that like I think it is so much of its time so it doesn't like hold up maybe as well as like I think High Fidelity is just timeless a timeless story even with the book and everything as 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 the inspiration piece and how well they kept to that and everything. And there's Cameron Crowe movies like uh, Almost Famous yeah. and, and whatnot that kind of tap into that as well. But the idea of like hanging out a record store, it's just, it's a fun idea. It's its a way to have these these kids be themselves. And it's also an expression of the 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 death of uh, record stores as well, like in, in, in CDs and, and tapes and all that shit. And to see people hanging out in it and as kids in it and all that and, and picking music and having veto to which song they can have and all that I stuff. Love that it's like, so much. there's yeah. a lot of, and they had, I'm just jumping Damn all, jumping too. all around. No, you're getting into it. There's yeah. like, uh, they, the director had 30, what was a 90 day shoot and 30, the first 30 days was dedicated just to rehearsal and just to like getting to know each other and like having, getting the chemistry yeah. right. And I think that Amazing. goes a long way. And I, I think that kids of this time could feel that and I, and could feel the energy so much so that it reminded me of a movie we watched recently for this podcast, Rent. And I thought if they wanted to, they could have made it. Yeah, they could make it a stage play. And then Kara, you mentioned to me, uh, can you, the the musical? Yeah, I guess there was going to be a musical. Um, I I would have to look it up again, but it might have been like the, the writer of the film. I think she was going to create like uh. a, a, a musical in 2020, but then... So everything happened and it's been put on pause. So we might see something in the future. I think it's I a great we, yeah. idea for a musical, a stage I play. Agree too. It just takes yeah. place in the record store. Like you could have, I don't know, you could have everything. You could throw some songs in there that would express people's arcs and what their flaws and what they're going through and everything too. The song where she's having this, the, her own funeral. I'm telling, I like, ah, that's such a good scene. That's such a good scene and, right there. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. But there's also a really good scene with her in the um, listening booth too. Like there's some, man. Yeah. She just, uh, 
oh god i forgot her name again robin um just does some really great work and really loved her performance on this and like she gets at the counterculture more in-depth teenager stuff that makes the movie more interesting and relatable to people who this is their target audience it's like yeah she's also just given so much more time a day and i i would assume too that some of that has to do with the fact of how good her performance was because like now knowing how much this was like workshopped is is that i could understand that there's 40 minutes outside of what we saw but then like what we did see there are plenty of it that's not great or like what you said too and i i there was because it just prioritized energy so much is that there was all uh, disparate scenes that are just like we're having fun we're you know we're at a record store Mm -hmm. and just prioritizing that more than maybe why kids would want to or not kids necessarily like teenagers would want to have a enjoyable time at work because their family life sucks like there's very little of that like they were scared to like go deeper into each they had so much to say like so much like a lot of 90s themes a lot of you know um stuff that they could have talked about and gone deeper but they just were like they're scared or just was like let's get this lighthearted maybe that goes to the theme be an r-rated movie and then they they had to make it pg-13 and they cut everything to make it pg-13 as well continue Mm -hmm. no just that like i don't know um i don't remember what i was gonna say but yeah it's just like you could tell that they, they had a lot going on and then they just didn't go deeper into those topics yeah, yeah, they wanted to sure. have someone addicted to speed. You know, I, I I don't know. They they wanted uh, they wanted s- someone coming into the record store and trying to shoot it up. I I, I don't I don't know that. There, there, there's these things that are so of its time too, but that that just are tone tone deaf in their own way. But also, yeah. I I try to just put myself in in the time of of the '90s and and what it was like then. And how, yeah, like the same with Armageddon is just like very much very pre nine eleven, and the the angstiness of of the characters, um, I can relate with because you know, we're nineties kids if you know what I mean if you know what I mean totally nineties kids, um, and that's that kind of comes close to my heart. We hear you know seeing like hearing like the music that they're playing and and all all of that stuff and. But I know what you mean, that energy where like you, you feel like every scene that it was cutting to, to just be like somebody screaming about something or somebody singing or somebody dance. And yeah. it's just like it was that was what they wanted to focus on. But the connective tissue between those things uh, was was not <laughs> not as present as it as it should be. And I think they they lost a lot in some of those edits, even whatever with 40 minutes. I just I was just exp- like, that's a lot. But even if it was just, yeah, some uh, some of the connective tissue. Um, yeah, I think one thing would have helped is maybe they were like locked in this mental state of this all needs to happen in a day at the record store. Yeah, and it was they, supposed to be two days, they, and they made it. They made it one day. All this meddling, it, right? If they would have just let that breathe more, and there was more of like we're coming in and having isolated to the day interactions of like this day is the Deb uh, suicide stuff. This is the AJ and Liv Tyler stuff. Like if it was more you know, didn't need to happen where 
we're having the Rex Manning day and we're having the selling the record store day all on the same fucking day as everything else. It's just like, yeah, I could understand when you're thinking about it, given those parameters, it's like, well, we have to like, it's a Rex Manning day. So we can't just have everybody just focusing on Deb. The big things are happening. People are in the store and whatnot, but it just like, yeah, it undercuts and devalues so much of personal interactions that the employees have with each other because everything is happening in accordance to Rex Manning day to the selling of the record store day to the Lucas fucking up and, and losing on the money day. And it was just, it's a, it's Unga Ponchka, like it's too much. And this movie would have benefited and you don't need to like make it longer. It just needs to happen on other days. And I, I think it's great that you've already brought up like high fidelity, because obviously that would be a guiding light or a gold standard to a record store movie because it focuses on the core concepts of what it means that record stores are like where they fit in society who's the type of people that work there music has always been a part of counterculture so like what are the what are the core concepts and ideologies of counterculture and it's also tied into youth like what is the youth concerned about what is the youth dealing with but man it just like wants it all to be in this thing and it just it doesn't do any of it like overly well it just I, it yeah i think um i'm giving this too much credit the movie too much credit but if you want to think about it in the sense of like how everything's happening in one day the overwhelm the anxiety there's so much going on within the movie like maybe that is how people are like youngsters felt of that generation like everything's just like building up there's so much pressure there's so much and they're just gonna explode and like have this like just like anarchists and like you know um I think I'm giving too much credit to the movie but it also has that feeling of like there's so much happening around us right now that like I literally just want to punch someone or like go do something crazy right now mm -hmm. <laughs> because I don't want to deal with all the stresses around me you know. <laughs> I, I I completely agree, but then to put it in a day and not to have the depth that is exhibited in this is like an old person saying what the kids are into, because I think you could get a level of anxiety and pressure about changing times for a teenager, and it could be a week, it could be a month, like for a teenager as a person who's gone through that, I don't know about you, but like. A week seems so much longer than it does as a 30 year old. Like, even if you were to frame the movie in the sense of a week, for example, like if Lucas fucks up and the money on a Sunday, like and Rex Manning is on a Friday, like there are situations where also giving time for the interior of these characters, like where is the scene with Liv Tyler and her parents and then being like, you got to go to this school and then AJ being like. I just want to draw and his alcoholic father being like, you got to go into, you know, uh, welding or whatever. Like there's none of that because it all has to happen in the context of we're in the singular day at the record store. And it just like, doesn't they give did. anybody like, uh, deeper or gives them like a, look inside to what is happening in their mind they are just 
what am who am I on one day of my life? And I'm having a hard time valuing that in this context where I think it's pretty forgiving when you're doing a teen movie that again, like time as a teen seems so much like more impactful and a longer period of time seems so much more condensed because so much seemingly is happening in my mind during that period of time where I feel like it is totally unnecessary to have it in a day. I get that there are popular movies at the time, which is really why it happens is there are so many of these like night of not so many at this time, it continues to get more and more pervasive, but like there's so many of these nights of like uh, at this point, um, American Graffiti has existed where American Graffiti is like a night of movie where everybody has these interactions that are really informative about their maturity and how they fit into. And there's so much commentary on yeah, like Days and Confused and Fast Times as well. Fast Times before this, Days and Confused after this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like those examples of like one night, you know, like super bad now or something. Yeah, I. I definitely don't think this is like, like compared to those, this is, this is nothing compared to those, but like, I also know it's, it's comparable. I, I, see, I kind of, I think this is where the cultness comes into it. It's like, it feels like a very punk movie where it's like, yeah, let's not fucking get deeper into these conversations. Like, I'm just, this is just one perspective. This is not how I feel. Like, I wish there was more of the emotional, like, let's get into why these people are struggling. But like, from a punk perspective, it's just like, yeah, I have all these problems. Let's just fucking party. Like, like, just like trash things. I don't know. Like, I kind of enjoy that of this movie too. It's just kind of like, let's just party and dance and yell and scream and like fuck around. And like, because we have so much going on in our lives, let's just kind of like, you know, I love uh, that. I, I don't know. I totally... When I, when I, when I think of it from that perspective, I'm like, Oh, that's why I like this movie. Cause they're like all struggling and they just want to have fun and party and like, sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, just... I think like, for me, it's like, yeah. I want to like those like things more. And I think, I would right. like I would like them more if if you're going to have a musical, have each person have a song about what they're going through. Or if you're going to do this way, like one scene per like big character, that's going to like, yeah, it could just be one scene. Like you said, Brandon, like it, with Liv Tyler's parents or something like that, or uh, I don't know, like it, it, you, you Absolute, know, what I mean, God, even where, where does, yeah, she, get the, where does she get the speed or something? I, I, I don't know. Or, uh, or, or Lucas even, cause I think there was a scene between him and like another scene between him and the, was it Joe or something like that, that was cut as well. And I, I think that that was a bummer for me because I didn't want to hate Lucas. And I think what would have helped me was, uh, was more of an understanding of, of who he was. But I think, that there's so many parts like car was saying to to like about this movie and the energy and i think that became paramount in the editing process of keeping that energy level up and i think on yeah on a sit down watching it taking notes for a podcast it it doesn't come across as well as maybe like hey we got some people over like let's smoke something and drink and oh you you want to throw have you seen empire records oh let's throw it on it's got some good music soundtrack or whatever and it's like got some good scenes and then you're like talking and then you like tune in here and there it's like and then when you tune in you're listening to music that you like and you see people that are like i'm thinking of people at the at this age when they got like the dvd or the vhs or whatever 
and they didn't see it in theaters. This was a V this is the reason this was popular was because of VHS and because of DVD. So this was like people putting it in and gathering around and hanging around. Like they weren't going to theaters and seeing it. They were like at home, you know, and like hanging out. And so I just think like, yeah, just hanging out at home and having like a kick-ass soundtrack and uh, watching people be, yeah, punks and, and rebellious. And some of them like, I mean, one of them truly is a, is a punk rock star. Who, what's his name? I, I forget, but that, uh, oh, yeah. that, that is Liv Tyler's like, stepfather is, uh, is that guy. He married Liv Tyler's mother. Um, and he was, he was Liv Tyler's stepmother at the time of, uh, of this movie. And he said he was much younger than, than he actually was coyote shivers. Um, yeah. Yeah. He married Liv Tyler's mother, but him and like people like James Kimo Wills who played Eddie, the, um, like the pot dealer, which they couldn't even say pot cause they like wanted this to be G 13 movie. So they, he says, yeah, there's a bunch of sugar and the brownies that he gives them. It's like, that guy was so great. I loved him. I loved he was that so guy. funny. And anytime he was on the screen, he just like stole the show. And he was so like believable in that moment. Anytime Ethan Embry shows up in a movie, he's he's Mark, the guy that yells, Shop left. I don't know. Anytime he shows up, there's something like very like affable about Honest. him too. His, yeah. his his face is just like his eyes and everything is very boyish, sort of. He, uh, like he sits there with his mouth open, just kind of like, Whoa. I don't know. It just looks like, yeah, he, he's uh fun to be around that, that guy. I don't know. My family, like Vegas vacation. He's in that one too. <laughs> he plays like, the young boy uh, Griswold, Griswold in Vegas vacation. I feel like Blake Henderson from, is it Anderson or Henderson from workaholics was inspired by that. The pot dealer. The Eddie like, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. the hair and like the outfit totally was like, same <laughs> oh my god yeah and yeah, the like humor. yeah yeah totally the humor too that person is so lovable and redeemable like that is a good person to you know like that's a great comparison in general but like that archetype is so yeah like well received because it is somebody who is compl- like very good natured yeah like doesn't fully understand what's going on but just brings that energy of thinking about things less and just doing things based off of like a really good moral compass. And yeah, that guy nailed it. Like there is a lot of nailing. I actually had kind of a hard time with Mark. I I know you brought him up in this, but like it, cause there, I weirdly thought he was so overacting that it'd be for me. Not full Matthew Lillard, but like kind of nearing some Matthew Lillard a bit. yeah, I mean, uh, when you first started talking about your issues with Lucas, like it made me think of my issues with Mark. Okay, because like he just seems like he's giving what somebody else wants, and like giving a hundred and ten percent in in a direction that isn't totally like where he is or where he's coming from he's just meeting people where they're telling him and giving a lot of energy there i see and so i just always had a hard time like him making out with the madonna mural it's like (laughs) 
are you doing that every time? Like every time you take the trash out, is that happening? Or are you just like, wouldn't this be so funny if I just did this and then just like was giving that energy? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I think I would fucking hate hanging out <laughs> with this guy. Cause like, yeah, yeah, he just he just like, how can I just be crazy? And how can I be insane? And I was like, oh, it just it sounds like you're just I, trying to appease people. And that's not how you want. Like, that's not your operating state. Like, you're just trying to be cool for the sake of being cool. And that just was a really kind of I think it bothered me the most, like, maybe. To touch on, I think the point you're making is that, yeah, like when he like had to be dumb as like, nobody's that dumb. <laughs> Sometimes you just kind of like, and I know that face that I'm talking, we're just kind of like, oh, uh, uh, it's like a little bit too like implying that like, oh, I'm just a stoner that doesn't know what's going on. But like, there's, I don't know, that's probably why he got cast too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great impression right now. <laughs> so uh, much of that. But yeah, maybe we can kind of cruise through some of the plot points and then that'll kind of bring up some any of any other uh, stuff that we want to talk about. I think we've we've talked very much like peripherally about uh, like, you know, the background of the, of this, the of plot this, of the movie of, yeah. the, of the making of this movie, I think, was just like made it so much more fascinating to me after watching it as well to know the turmoil that it, that it went through to even get to this point and how people fight, mm-hmm. fight to li- like have that, like, let's, yeah, this is one of those cult classic movies that we've done a, a few of them. I'd say maybe I'd probably hook is the one that I'm thinking of. That's like a cult classic that people are like really, really love. And I, and I feel like I've talked to people that are like, Oh, you, you got to see empire records. Like it's, it's great. Um, and I did it. I finally saw it. So anytime I see those people again, it's like, yeah, no, I saw it. I recorded. Uh, I recorded a whole podcast about it for your information. Uh, um, to add to that, um, just a little background on why I like this movie so much is that uh, I don't love this movie. I just like it. I like the environment. I like being in the atmosphere of this movie. I don't love the storylines, but um, I used to, like when I was younger, I used to go to Goodwill and I'd like find like. Uh, DVDs in like the sec in the DVD section. And I just pick something like random that I've never heard of. And it's like a dollar. So I'm like, why not? I'll just like buy this and see what it's about. And Empire Records happened to be one of the movies. I had never heard about it. And it was a pleasant surprise. It was like, just like a fun thing that I bought for a dollar and like always have now. <laughs> like It's a fun little memory. Was that, it is, is that where your live together in, inspiration started was, was yes. after picking that up? Was did yeah. you try to replicate like the main outfit on the cover? That's kind of that's kind of like almost like a Britney Spears, uh, like a plaid skirt and then fuzzy crop top. Yeah, like yeah, that is like a classic '90s look, like combat mm. boots, the plaid mm. skirt, fuzzy top, and it's like, yeah, I totally bought something yeah. similar to that and was like, I'm gonna be her and like. Um, I think I like picked her over Renee just because I'm a brunette. So I was like, oh, I'm going to like go for the brunette girl, which is funny. I also wanted to brought up about how like there's always like the blonde girl and then the brunette girl and mm-hmm. like more so 90 films. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. And then the blonde girl is always more sluttier than the brunette girl. Yeah. And there's that like cantankerous relationship between their friends. And I just, yeah, like having the conversation that they end up having of like, it's 
I hate that you're so slutty, but I love the fact that you get what you want. And then like coming to grips with that, I guess. I mean, it's hard for me to articulate it fully because given this movie, the, it doesn't, really get into it yeah but it reminded me of like dawson's creek with like katie holmes and michelle williams those are similar characters i guess the opposite would be betty and veronica like betty was the more like good girl right and then veronica was more of the well that happens too yeah because i mean i guess it's not totally predicated on like hair color because there's also the like brunette being very like edgy and very mm-hmm. you know that thing and then the blonde is the one who's like very uh all-american you know innocent things like that i just had a lengthy slack conversation today i'm watching euphoria i don't know if oh, you guys watch that show. Yes. I, lo- I love that show and me and these <laughs> two girls are having a weekly conversations about that show and there's can i join <laughs> i mean it's it's a work slack technically oh, so I, I i we you know I'll, I'll throw it out there that you want to get involved but like cassie in that is yeah. a blonde who is very like a representative of innocence and then uh maddie is a brunette who's the opposite yeah, i totally thought of that too for sure um so me and car are going to start a euphoria podcast coming out in a little bit so look out for that um (laughs) but yeah like i mean that is a show that gets into all the things like if you want like deep like (laughs) shocking amounts of it at times where i would argue just for the sake of being shocking like like it Oh, for sure. But like kind of to bring it back to this movie is, is that there is euphoria definitely goes there as opposed to this movie. But there are times that euphoria will pause it really edgy shit and not like fully get into it. It's just like part of that person's character. So you just like accept like, oh, this person is also capable of this or thinks about things in this way, but it like won't like fully get into it. Sometimes what will happen, which is why it's a good show, is that it'll happen later and then it really gets into it. But there is a little bit of that of like, we're going to just pause it like in this in Empire Records, like, oh, Deb has uh, suicidal thoughts, like and just kind of throws it out there really willy nilly to begin with to get back into the plot is like. So we're we're at the well, record. Would, I was going to say, would you say like, I mean, just to compare it to Euphoria, like one last little tidbit, it's like the love i mean maybe it's not executed the same to the same degree but because i i'm not super familiar with euphoria but i know that it's it's a very love show and and people i know i need to get on it we just had a conversation before this podcast car oh my god this last episode Um, had laurel less from 100 gags the episode before that had orville peck who i'm a huge fan of oh the music's good to keep selling me i'm sold i just gotta do it (laughs) but uh no i was just gonna say it's like i feel like the fervor for this show as well is for euphoria is it's like people of the current generation seeing themselves on screen done in an accurate way, like 
flaws mm-hmm. and all and and accurate whatever take it for what it's like grain of salt for what it's well, worth plenty of high schoolers are looking at it no, i'm no, on the subreddit i'm not i'm not a i know i'm a sound obsessive but i sometimes check the subreddit and there are plenty of high schoolers who make fun of the fact that everybody sure. in the show is like 25 years old sure, like it's, 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 it's the same, be, it's same situation it's, there's gonna you know it's, it's not made by the people are, who are actually the that's the point but yeah. like mm-hmm. it's it's a close approximation there's not many yes. things like it and so the thing that does come through and ha- and at least has some version of representation in in a way that's not preachy and not like i, I don't know i'm i'm talking too much about euphoria that i like know about or something but like i just trying to draw that bridge yes. bet- between the two and and the and the coming from someone who just recently watched empire records but could feel the hype uh, for both of those things in a way that like this is expressing something that like is not done many other places. So I'm, it's going to draw a lot of people, uh, in of a, of a certain demographic and it's gonna, uh, I don't know. It's gonna, is it a way for like a, a 30 something year old man like myself to understand youth culture, Brandon? <laughs> well, I is would it just like say urban that- dictionary for, for me <laughs> that I can, I can, I can understand. <laughs> What I would say is that this movie is more geared towards that than Euphoria is because the people that that I've talked about at our age, I'm the only one our age that watches it because anybody else our age would watch and be like, this is insane and I can't relate to it at all because they're so like in their own head of like, I'm a 30 year old and I don't do this. That's exactly why I want to watch it. Yeah. So interested in like like, what kid like you know what not kids like what is like being cultivated as popular because i don't want to like go too hard on like it's it gets everything about youth culture right but it posits enough especially euphoria is far and beyond allowed to go to places that this movie would never even go to but like I think it also like relates to like someone my age like honestly like watching it i'm like wow I, like yeah. i struggle with a lot of uh, like certain oh. things too it, it, it and even zendaya says like it's not actually a show for high schoolers like she's like if i don't recommend watching this if you're like under a certain age but like i relate with like even this i don't want to go deep in it but there was a thing about like uh, like so, like loving yourself in this past episode, and it's like oh. I one hundred percent relate with that scene. I think it's just like of the time right now, like mm-hmm. with social media and everything like that, and like it's definitely I, com- I completely agree. Anyone can relate to it. <laughs> this whole past episode it has been about that because you have I can't remember the, the uh, her name off the top of my head, but the girl that was doing the camming, like yeah. there's so much of that going on of like what it means to be turned on, what it means to like like I don't know, to have like to pursue things and self-worth and then there's Cassie's situation and that like uh, so much of that show is definitely about that, which is why I relate to of like your yeah i i I don't know it's like youth culture stuff just to again to bring this back to this movie and why i really enjoyed it is is that there are things that are in this movie that are touching on fundamental like human development maturity things that no matter what your age is it's like 
pretty interesting to just see somebody go through that. And yeah, like there's value there, you know, for sure. And there's things that I can put myself into maybe it's like in a way of like oh how did i feel about that then and how do i feel about that now and that's like a really fun exercise because it really just puts the mirror to yourself and go oh so who was i then and who was i now and what are the differences here is somebody representing parts of who I was then and how do I feel about that now? And even though I'm not, you know, getting involved in drug dealers and taking, you know, uh, fentanyl, like I, there are certain things about those situations that are like relatable where you put yourself in things because you want something, how bad do you want it? And what are the repercussions for it that I find really compelling? Um, but again, like, I'm, I'm going to try to keep coming back to it. I really just want to talk about euphoria. So yeah, again, look out for the, 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 the podcast of me and Cara talking about euphoria, <laughs> but um, like this movie does posit something. So to get back into the plot of it, like it, this movie starts to like bring in all these characters and employees of it. And it starts to give us a sense of like what their energy is vibe and what, what's kind of ailing them. And we get a sense that everybody has something going on at varying degrees. And it is all teenager ass stuff of like, you know, live the, the Liv Tyler stuff was so weird because I even made a note of it where I'm like, what is, is that a Mentos? Like, I didn't quite understand yeah, like, a weird what, <laughs> like what her problem was for the longest time. Like, because yeah. Renee Zellweger is so upfront with her personality of like, I want to be loved and I'm seeking that validation in, in, uh, uh, you know, in way, in like the way she's talking about I stuff. I love Rex, man. And that, that was the main thing. I just, I, that I, was it. I fucking love Rex Manning. Let's do, you know what? Let's jump to Rex Manning. Oh, you the, want, yeah. Mean, let's talk the, about Rex Manning. The whole day is centered around Rex Manning day. Yeah. Everybody fucking talks about it throughout the movie. So you let's talk about Rex is, Manning. Right? No, who is that guy? Who is right. that guy? Tell, tell Brandon who that guy is. Well, I love Rex Manning. Oh, Kara is a big Rex Manning fan. Maxwell Caulfield or something like that. Cauliflower. Um, yeah. Cauliflower. <laughs> My favorite vegetable. Um, he is from a little movie I'd like to call Grease 2. Which oh I my god love Grease 2 more than I love Grease 1. That is he's a, he's, a big, he's the cool writer. He is the coolest of writers. Oh he's my the god! Coolest writer. Oh, with that hair and that jawline, of course he is. So, how did you I, feel seeing seeing him in this movie, Caro? Was it a was it a big deal? Have you seen him in anything else? I mean, that that must have been just like a huge moment for you as a child, being into uh, both Cool Rider and Liv Tyler, and then you see them together in one movie. How? What, did you make that connection when you first watched Empire Records? When you when you uh, I didn't no, I didn't make that connection at all. Um, oh, maybe I did. I don't remember. I was just excited. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. else to say. It was just like he fit that character so well because he was older, like in Empire Records. So like he was like a a big 
I, I'm assuming he was big. I don't. I haven't really seen a, seen him in anything else other other than Grease too. Okay, never yeah. mind then. No, he wasn't big. He's just a very good looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really kind of his cachet about it. Because yeah, he wasn't in a lot of stuff. He played. I mean, that I he played feel- the role so well. Yeah, he I don't personally find him. It. I don't personally find him attractive. I was just so excited that he was from one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but that's a kind of understandable because he's also so douchey. So like I could imagine like a lot of girls just similarly like putting yourself in the Liv Tyler role, if you will, of like, oh, this guy is just so conventionally good looking, but I know that he's a total sleaze ball. So I don't really like that look. I would much rather have like I'm sure you're much more attracted to like a guy who's more interesting looking than conventionally handsome because there's a tendency for that person to be more grounded or more like i don't know have a better personality but i would say that i kind of am really fascinated by his personality in this because in this movie he recognizes for a bit like where he fits in things mm-hmm. and his like uh, interaction with Liv Tyler is really interesting to me because he recognizes what he puts off what she's doing for a really long time and then almost challenges her to go like, Oh, so you want to fuck a rock star? Like, okay, well, it's going to start with sucking my cock. And then her, like, she didn't even, like, from an acting standpoint, didn't even meet that kind of, like, what I mean. If I can just say for that one scene, there is a stinger that was cut in the editing process, apparently, that provided some, a little bit more context where, like, he proposes it, it, it like cuts back to her, then cuts back to him. And then he says one last stinger. I don't, it's something like where he grabs like the dressing and he's like, you like blue cheese? And he starts like shaking or something like that. I don't want blue cheese to be associated with sex. I know, I know. But it's like so, that's the most disgusting thing but, ever. <laughs> but the, your reaction is warranted because that's what her reaction was when she hears it. And then she storms out because I thought the pacing of that was so, so strange as well. I think it still would have been kind of weird, but like, even that is representative of just how they tinkered so much that even the pacing of it is, is, is kind kind of off. And then yeah. to, to further that discussion, there is also, I'm, I'm giving a little, some tidbits that I, I learned recently, but there was even a scene with him where he's expressing how glum he is about the fact that he has to do what the record company is making him do because he like says he wants to make his own music and go in a different direction but they're and like, I got, I got like that forcing, from, yeah. forcing him to like put these clothes on and make the same tired music that he's, which I thought was a, the sound that he had was so like late eighties that I was, I loved how I loved it. How and they, I love the fact that the employees loved it too, because there's such an appreciation. Like we like the Eagles, you know, we like uh, uh Steve Miller band. Like there are singles from that era that are like very conventional radio poppy hits that our parents love. And we've just have grown to love because they have a certain aesthetic and sound to it. And it's interesting to hear that, there was more of him being frustrated with his situation 
But what I would say is, is that I got a lot of that out of it. It was interesting. And the point that I was making about that interaction with Liv Tyler is, is that I got the sense that he was like, okay, well, this happens to me fairly often throughout my career. Like, oh, and then almost like challenging her, like, so do you really want this? And what was unfortunate to me is, is that Liv Tyler didn't fully, like, not fully, because it's okay that she fully didn't get it, but she didn't get it even at all that a person uh, like in his position would just want casual sex. And she wanted it to be mm. obviously this very romantic situation mm. where it's like, I really love, you know, I love what you've said in your music and I love the way that you look and having that interaction. It was just so abrupt of like, he was like genuinely just sitting down being like, okay, she's like getting really comfortable. I just want to eat my salad and get the fuck out of here. And then she just keeps pushing and he's like, okay, like, okay, that's great. But like, I just want to eat my salad and get out of here. And then she keeps pushing and then he just turns it on her and goes like, oh, okay, well, apparently you're not going to stop this. So if you're not going to stop this, then get ready for what this is about. And there wasn't enough reaction maybe of like Liv Tyler kind of realizing like oh I built this up in my mind to be this thing and then reality's coming crashing in it just was cut and edited so poorly where it yeah. was just like she's very like jazzed about this situation and then she's very like jumps to fuck I hate this I'm out of here mm -hmm. and it's like there there wasn't enough time given in my opinion to like that reality really setting in like there wasn't i don't know it could have like come with maybe some internal dialogue that would have been interesting mm -hmm. of like oh man i think there like, was, I these... think that some, there's a strange like scapegoat of her being on speed to absolve her sure. of, like explaining right. of her right. reactions because i think you you're not fully aware at the beginning maybe in the 90s you're more like oh this is the more prevalent sort of thing speed is a big deal more of a big deal but i like you know classic I, 90s speed huge but by deal. the end it's like i i don't know by the by the end not to jump jump ahead but for just a moment it's like when her and renee zellweger have their like battling freak, battling freakouts oh. like yeah like renee zellweger freaks out and then like there's a pause and then Liv tyler just like freaks out as well it's just like the yeah like it goes to my discussion of like the buildup and and fallout of things that happen things just kind of happen and then you move on to the next thing rather than like there be a, a beginning or, or end end to even the small uh, smaller scenes it just like is cutting in between where like scenes will feel like you're starting in the middle rather than at the beginning or, or, or something like that and and that whole truncated portion for me i think you express really well too because yeah she i don't know she just immediately goes out to the the rooftop and has this whole conversation with is it AJ? AJ, which is and then that crazy. was that was really hard to watch because it was just so close to what just happened. So close. And AJ yeah. is like getting really upset and frustrated that he's not able to express his truth to her about how much he loves her and stuff. And she's like, now is not the time. And I, I don't know. It's like <laughs> understandable. That was such, that was such understandable. Hard, that was such scene. Yeah. It yeah, just made AJ look so yeah, which I get that that's kind of the objective a little bit. Yeah. Is that here is a guy who is professing his love for a girl which as a guy personally like 
it's I, I'm sure it's probably never the t- right time when I think it is. So I really like connected with that. If a she's little crying. Bit of like, you should pump the brakes probably a bit, buddy. Like should, if she's crying, she's telling you no and stop. And, and there's probably not the right time to be like, no, shut up and grab her and be like, I and tell her that you love her. I don't know if that's the right time. <laughs> right. I, uh, and I was going to say that I totally agree. I don't know. Like, we have a woman here <laughs> with us. So you tell us, Cara, is that the right time to? I definitely don't think it's the right time, but maybe there's some women out there that are like, yes, it's like passionate. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I want, I don't want to speak for all women because we're all different, but like, I would be like, leave me alone. But maybe some people are like, like, we'll get into the whole chaos. Like, you know, sometimes people are like, like chaos in relationships. So. I mean, but to what you're saying is, is that that's true. that's what happens, though, is that she stops AJ from the, uh, continuing on in professing his love and goes, this isn't the right time. And then that conversation is like there's a pin in it and they have it later. So like that does happen for sure. But to James's point is, is like, I get that he wants to get out the love and I can sympathize with that where you're just like, I just want to tell this girl that I really love her. Cause I want to like get to the fun part of it. But then he should have seen a little bit of what was going on and just been like, maybe yeah, this is not, not a good time. <laughs> I know I told Joe that I was going to do it by 2 PM, but like maybe now's not the right time for this. And so, it, it, yeah. And also too, from like, us as a viewer is it's so weird from a pacing standpoint of going from like already i i was outlining like i don't think the pacing and editing was done well for Liv tyler having a really an opportunity for a really strong moment to go like my idols are are human beings too and my expectations which is really kind of what like her like her character serves as a purpose is is that there are expectations placed on her and societal expectations on what she should do and that isn't necessarily what she wants to do and like there's so much there but it like edited like the movie edits itself or was edited where it just wants to get to the next thing and just like keep this like we're just having a kooky, crazy time in a record store and Rex Manning's here and he's, you know, having lunch or whatever. And it never really allows any time for her to go fuck. Like here's another good example of like my personal expectations of my life are not realistic or they involve other people so that me imposing on what I think should happen isn't the right way to go about it. It just like kind of clips it along where it's like Rex Manning is just like, okay, well get ready zip. And then she's like, oh, this. And then she runs out and it just is so not like, it doesn't care about the internal stuff that's going on. It's just like, yep, here's another rock star being a douche. And Okay, we check that box off. Okay, next, now we're going to have the love scene and not even thinking about how that scene and then the AJ scene is next to each and, and other things, is like things, a good uh, idea. Even within those moments, like, yeah, like come up with on the day or it, or it feels like the the jokes or the or the um, the little pins on at the end of each scene don't seem fully prepared or fully thought out a, a right. lot of times, even, even that. and. 
it caters to I I don't know kind of I guess that that punk nature of of the movie, but it's it's production value uh, suffers a, a little bit when yeah I, I think it it doesn't come across as as something maybe to the producers as like a, a professionally done sort of thing so they got a they got a, they got a medal but I'm not gonna give give the producers too much too much credit for thinking they I don't know thinking they know what it needed or what it didn't need. Because I think for the middle portion of the movie we're generally in right now, and we've been talking about, it's like, I, I wanted a little, a little bit more or a follow-up with some of the money stuff, because all it was, was really like Brandon was saying, just these little snippets of day and of a day in a record store. And that's fine to have a movie like that of like, Oh, it's like a day in the life of like a record store. But like right. the, the movie starts with this very like, detrimental decision for everyone involved of this one character that's setting off the should be setting off this chain of events but from that it's kind of like taking a back seat there's like joe coming out being like fuck i gotta do and then like the he gives the fake money and and in here and there and everything but it's really it's really given a short shrift throughout the por- the middle portion and i wanted a little bit more follow-up of what uh what was going on with that and I was just pissed at Lucas and I wanted there to be more of an expression of that. What I did like was when Joe got upset and then went to his office and just fucking let loose on a kick-ass drum solo. That was awesome. That was tight as hell. I love that. I was like, this, I, I think it's my favorite character. I think Joe's my favorite character. I think, oh, for I think sure. the boss is my favorite, favorite character. There's something about him that's, I feel the warmth, his fatherly energy he's got big daddy energy i, I don't know oh um, yeah that, and, and he's <laughs> he's just uh it, it, trans, it just yeah yeah it's got that BD. <laughs> raging through his veins oh yeah dude <laughs> it's just trickle, it just trickles down to everybody when he comes in i don't know it's like everyone acts a little differently and it and it it gives the desired effect of who he is and there's this trust between all, all of all of them and him. But the minute he lets loose on that drum solo, everything came like into full view about who this guy was for me. And I I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe growing older, I'm just like liking Joe more than like some of the <laughs> some of the kids. <laughs> I also like that he like didn't, you know, go for like he didn't punish people right off the yeah, bat like, i love that i love, I love that, that idea of like give people a chance like kids you know like so they're gonna do this shit like yeah. they're gonna fuck up yeah totally and especially when that kid that like stole some like sit- cds he, like comes and starts shooting up he, that was insane first of all like that warren beatty yeah, that was so. Yeah, that was, it was such a weird scene, but I still love how Joe was like, "You're hired. Like, you want to work here? You're hired." Because it's uh, like he's giving this guy, like this troubled teen, like a place to come and like maybe be better. Like, that's all he wants to work at the record shop. Just like give him totally. the opportunity. Maybe he won't be so troubled. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, which that's is so redeemable. Yeah, what he's done for other kids. Yeah, for sure. He also, I, I'm going to pause at this, um, put it on uh, on wax for this podcast. This is that I have this uh, theory that uh, Italian people are like so, like the sexiest people when they're in their like 20s and then they become like 
very like fat, <laughs> like <laughs> stereotypical Italian. Hey, and, whoa. <laughs> and it just it was so f- funny to me of seeing Jim. What about on this Monica Belushi? Oh, she's just well. Mm, Matt, this is just men. This is just okay. men. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just men. Um, but there's this uh, this thing I have of Italian men where they're just like incredibly good looking, and then once they hit like 40 years old, their like metabolism kicks in, and then they have to deal with like their eating habits have been mainly pasta, which then like makes <laughs> them very like fat and kind of like pudgy <laughs> pudgy people. And because like Joe is like such a good looking dude. And the whole time I was like, man, this guy is probably just getting ladies all the time. He, 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 I get that he's like having issues with some women in his life because they're like, they're probably like smoking hot, but they're like crazy. And I totally buy that vibe. But then after the movie, I looked up what he looks like now. I'm like, here's another Italian guy. This is what happens. They're just like the, they're gorgeous looking people when they're in their twenties and early thirties. And then the metabolism slows down and the pasta intake doesn't slow down. <laughs> and then they just get to this point where they're just like, get turn into uh, meatballs and roly polyolis. And I just, I think it's so, so funny. That- Shots fired at the Italian people. You're, you're making me worried about, <laughs> about my Italian heritage and my future. <laughs> and then, uh, all I would say, James, is, is that don't continue to eat fuckloads of pasta all the me. time. You can't stop me. Because <laughs> it's the metabolism's going to slow down. You're not going to stop me. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to I'm going to shrivel up like an old olive. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you're just gonna get you're gonna turn into this little yeah this little roly i will live movie. life i will live life to the, to the fullest but uh, my theory about italian men aside is that like he is so incredibly redeemable of what is presented uh in the movie because the start of the movie is about lucas really just fucking him over like it, especially not now, bad about it whatsoever not feeling bad about it whatsoever his whole ethos and why we should care about lucas is that lucas is driving joe to do what he genuinely wants and he is the catalyst for it but the thing is is that joe seemingly was saving that money up because he doesn't want to become a music town so there isn't anything like it just makes lucas seem like a shitty fucking person and he still doesn't feel bad at that point either (laughs) absolutely not and then but again on top of it to joe's character is is that he like has that moment with deb where he's like hey deb like if you want to talk about stuff like let's talk about stuff i know that it's presented like he's out of touch because deb's like do you really want to talk about it um i don't think you really want to hear what's going on but like so much kindness and love is coming from joe of like you're right I'm just doing this because this is what I think is the right move. Is it what I fully understand? No, but there's so much goodness out of, out of Joe that like, it's undeniable. Like I, I love Joe too. And I like, I like how that's, that was handled because it was, I know everything is done within a day. So everything is like very quick and things got to get solved and rapidly. 
uh, things got to get better and her feeling better at the end of one day, you know, is, is a little, little bit much, but in that moment, I thought it was really good where he realized, I thought himself that I'm not going to solve this right now with this conversation. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make her feel like, Oh, I don't want to kill myself anymore. Thanks, Joe. Like that's not how this conversation is going to go. So he just, Hey, he just said she does. She did a good job today, or something. He's like, you did it. You you're doing a good job. Dude, but that matters so it was fucking huge, much because yeah. that's his capacity. Like a, his, his capacity as a boss. That's what he can give to her. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, this person is going to go live their life outside of it, but. I would just implore all managers to know that it's not really about changing people's perspective. It's about people knowing, like, if you were to just like look at your life and go, okay, am I going to kill myself or am I not? There are people that care about me that I want to not kill myself and stay around for like, just be that person. Like you don't have to convince somebody not to, it's just be there for them. Like be present and be understanding. Yeah. You're not going to get what's going on in her life. And Mm -hmm. it's not your job to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you tell somebody that they're doing a good job because they're genuinely doing a good job too, like on top of that, it's not just, he's being kind of like, you know, I'm going to tell you you're doing a good job just because I don't want you to hurt yourself. It's like she's in the listening booth, like doing the uh, accounting work for it. It's like those are the moments in anybody who has suffered with mental illness. Like, yeah, you're like me as a person isn't going to be the one that makes the makes the total difference. But if you can recognize somebody for the beauty and the power and the positive energy and the competency in what they're bringing to a situation, like that's going to resonate enough where maybe it's not the deciding factor, but I think that's going to help them nonetheless. And like, it just makes Joe such a great character. And she's going through (laughs) something. And I thought this, yeah, for what it's worth, this movie was dealing with someone who was very openly suicidal, which, and, and the community around her confronted it. And, and yeah. And that one scene that I've expressed that I, that I, I like a lot, but so much. I thought yeah. even that was, I, yeah, just such a way to be open and transparent about something that didn't make her didn't make none of the characters were like, ashamed of her or made her feel like not at all she should be like ashamed of herself like not 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 to my knowledge i mean maybe there was some ribbing or or something like that which they were all kind of like punk kids and stuff and in the funeral thing and everything too they're kind of like you know like they're joking around and stuff like that but there was there was this i thought like a a pretty yeah, like this movie has heart. Like that's something that it ha- that it has. I think absolutely. I think more more than anything, and I think to have not just not a fear to talk about it. I thought I thought was uh, was refreshing. I I don't know. And there was this uh, like because there's so much yeah. that it else that it did want to talk about, and it wasn't able to. And there was like some some of that stuff that was left in. Um, that you know, yeah, maybe it didn't stick the landing on everything, but there was like that funeral scene there was that scene with joe talking to her and everything too and um it was it was a it was a part of the it was woven into the into the movie in a way where yeah it's like i i don't know 
everyone's acting like all like fuck the system and everything. It's like, oh no, there's an uh, there's a person here is actually like really going through something fucking serious. And so it, that was held with a little bit more respect than like, oh yeah, Liv Tyler's got a drug problem. I I, I don't know. It was just that that was kind of more throwaway. So and, boring. And I guess comparatively, <laughs> it's she was more of a a character that I was 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 mag- magnetic to me. Um, and, if anything, yeah. uh, Robin Tooney's character I forget I forget her name in the film, but she. Debbie. Deb. Debbie, yeah, Deb. She like related more to Liv Tyler after she found out about her speed addiction. She was like, "Oh, like I guess there's more to you than just like being the all American girl." And then it, it like bonded them for like oh, after. Right. But I believe so much that Robin Tooney it was bonded to her, but I believe none of Liv Tyler bonded yeah. to Robin Tooney, where she's like, oh, great, I got another friend, you know, or whatever. It's the, uh, so much of the energy that I got out of her because, yeah, like Robin Tooney's looking at you just being like, God, I'm just like having to deal with all of this. I want to be the best that I can. And there was like so much more interior stuff that is given to you through her performance and not through the movie, because again, the movie cares little about the internal struggles of people. It is so much more about presenting them as like, here's what teens are dealing with, but we just want to have fun. And like, that's the energy of the movie. And man, like, and also to Renee Zellweger as well, it's like they're, Given how little she has in the movie, like her wanting to have sex with Rex Manning just for the sake of like, I am powerful. I can do these things. And then like also translating to her singing on the top of the marquee, like there's so much more going on with those people. But unfortunately the movie doesn't really want to get too much into it for for me it's like i I think it's one thing to have flawed characters and people mess up which i i do i I love it i don't want a character to be perfect i enjoy when i also enjoy when those characters have to atone for what they've done and there's Mm. a lack of that in in this movie i enjoy the idea of like oh there's a kid who's a bad you know, he's doing, he's stealing, he's coming back with a gun and all, and then we're going to rehabilitate him and, and, and bring him in and Ooh, everything. Yeah. But like, it's still, there, there's energy. not a real true uh, atonement before that. Cause there's not enough time. There's, I, I didn't like how there wasn't much of an atonement for Liv Tyler. Just, I don't know, like kind of just like truly being a jerk to Renee Zellweger and, and, and everything and, and everything that she's, them. she's kind of how she acts and behaves and, the thing that she went through with AJ, like those things happen, but there's no follow through or Hey, remember that or, or whatever. It's like, it, there's kind of a follow up with her and AJ, but it's, it's just kind of half ass and she doesn't really atone for it. And she doesn't feel bad. Lucas is, has moments where he just, he's given that opportunity and whatever scene was cut. I don't know. In this version is just like, there's no atoning right. for, for what he's done besides fucking joe takes him in the back and punches him in the fucking face i guess there's like that moment where he gets like physically violent with him which was kind of upsetting i wish there was like a conversation and and that's where that that scene sitting in the cutting bay just bums me out but yeah that's my main point is just it's one thing to have flaws one thing to have people mess up but that that atonement i think has shows care true character of how what a person's gonna 
like deal with when they they're face to face with their own the comeuppance of their own actions. Um, and this is more about just like fuck the rules and move on and whatever you know. It just kind of like uh, and then it it just gets shot out of a gun and then it, this movie flies past you and then it's kind of it's kind of over. So um, yeah, yeah. Maybe, so th- that's what I would say. Some is- of the main points of 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 the movie as well before we wrap up, if you guys would like. Yeah, but I would to build on that and to talk about mm-hmm. the main yeah. points is where we're at. Is like so the whole saving the record store is so easy. I hated that so much that it was like, okay, so we needed a couple thousand dollars in order to save the record store. Let's just start selling stuff. Let's put on a concert. And it all happens on the same day. And it is presented in montages that make it so incredibly fucking easy. And it just completely devalues any of the struggle that's happening. Uh, just personally for Joe and uh, it really like impacts all the employees because I mean, maybe some of them will get hired. Maybe some of them won't. None of that. It's just like, Oh, we need a couple thousand dollars. Let's just start selling stuff. Like it never, like all of that stuff existed before that. And it was just so convenient from a storytelling and movie standpoint of like, Oh, we're going to just put on a, uh, you know, a, show and a yard sale essentially of the record store in order to make up the money to buy out no it's not to buy out it's to start another record store I yeah think, right he's like yeah. he, he just tells the man he's like you're not gonna have an, enough to do you like he's like i'm gonna start my own record store he's like you're not gonna have enough to do that he's like i will right by the end of this <laughs> night all of that is so fitting for the world and the characters though. Like they put on like this punk show, you know, that was very last minute, like loosely put together. Like it's not a punk song though. (laughs) But it it feels, it has that punk energy to it. Like it has that. So when they sell though, when she's like really fidgeting and like getting punky, I mean, it's, if anything, it's like pop. I I just meant like, punk not necessarily as a music genre but as like a lifestyle like mm. a way of being like your attitude towards like anti-capitalism and like everything like like to the man like i feel like maybe that's not a good way to describe it but i use the word punk like that sometimes um but it is very fitting for that just world you is like it's not but that's not what the song's about though the song's about is I'm getting a high off of how good you are to me. And that's not what the thesis of this movie is. So does even it to, at, like, does the song need to express that? I yeah. I feel like it's a punk show in general because I've, I feel like the way they put it on and like how it came together. So last, and what was the sign that they, they had that's like to raise money for like, um, and there was like a sign at the end of the movie that they like put out front yeah. to put like mm-hmm. it's like to raise money for like yeah, endangered some... record stores or like musicians. Yeah, so it was like sure. this like yeah. punky like kind of like um um what's it called like fundraiser. And I don't know. I feel like I've been to a lot of punk shows. I've been to a lot of punk uh like events that like it has that ver- that energy to it. And so oh, it like... just like is very fitting for the characters and that environment. I totally agree. And 
I know, agree to, too. Like, so about the with, setup with of both it. of your it's, points, it's I think song. there's just like <laughs> with the uh, oh, I was gonna say there's just like no lull between like kind of act two and three. Like that's kind of the point where it's like, hey, we got to do this thing to save the record store, and then I don't know. There's a moment where like. They're getting ready. And then all of a sudden two characters, I'm just thinking of like a a cookie cutter movie or something, but it is that structure is nice when like, I don't know, maybe some characters get in a fight and there's a fallout in the middle of getting ready and they got to get back together to make the show work or just something like that. But all of that is done while the third act is like wrapping up. They like get in this huge fight. They start yelling at each other. And when everyone freaks out while the show's like going on and, and everything too, or like about to go on and I, I like, I love the idea of a show. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's that I, I, yeah. it's in my earlier Absolutely. point too. There's no time to deal with the fallout of that whole day that just went past. It's got to go right into like, now we got to do all this to get ready. And everyone's still dealing with everything that's happened on Rex Manning day of all day. There's having like the records, say the record store day on Rex Manning day. Wow. That's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a lot going on. But like, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with like the, the spirit of it all. I, I don't know. I, I had a fun time with the song. You really didn't like that song then, Brandon. No, I thought no, you did like that song or no. I, I like that song, but it just doesn't encapsulate a lot of like, so if we were to talk about things that like middle nineties music, there are a lot of songs that are yeah, a lot of ska shit. Yeah. That aren't sugar high. I guess that's like so much of the what do you mean? So much of the energy, the aesthetics of the song is not that it's not what the 90s kids are about. Like we're talking about something that's going to be raw and real more so it can be poppy still and have some radio sensibility for sure. And that's the beauty of the 90s is bringing like really (laughs) intense concepts into a radio sensibility environment. But like Sugar High is like a... Uh, yeah it's like a it's a song from a bygone era i don't totally hate sugar high i think i'm more enthralled by renee zellweger's performance in it because she just like like breathes it so much and again like i can't say enough good things about renee zellweger and her performance in this because she's just an incredible actress she like all the uh, scenes that she's in she's like scene stealing she like gets it she like also gets it more than like other people get it but sugar high is such a we're saving a record store we're trying to like tell people that this like you know institution is worth keeping around and sugar high is the song i don't know i, 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 I like it, it. Like, I, I liked it yeah, yeah. Well, i was like this is a fun song why not have a fun catchy song that everyone's gonna dance around and, and have a good time to and uh sure i i don't know it was written at the time for this movie it was performed by an artist who was pop like relevant at the time as well uh i would not think that, that relevant but yeah rel- dude it is at his point of relevancy of like whatever like he's using it it's relevancy in 15 seconds it's not that's relevancy. all you have in hollywood baby you got your 15 minutes that's and he was he was at his maybe 15th but whatever i'm just saying that like i think it would be a fucking drag if they had a song about saving the record store <laughs> 
If that's what the got song it. was about, I feel like that'd be kind of a drag. We gotta save the record store. We gotta save the record store. Like I don't know that is that what you wanted, or is you just it can't the subject matter is your problem or the no I would like a song quality of it is your problem. Yes, it's definitely those things as well. But like I would like a smells like Teen Spirit where you are the smells like Teen Spirit brings into the forefront that I like. Oh, I see. You want one you that's know, like "fuck the man" kind of song. That's what you. I want, want a I get "fuck you. the man" song. I that's I, I. I'm okay with a poppy version of a "fuck the man" song. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong with that, but like, I want a "fuck the man" I song see. where it's not like I get your point. Sh- you know, sugar high, and then they do the whole like leaning against okay. each other. You want like, like you want like the scene where like they say like, and fuck them, and then like it shows the man working at the cash register like, oh damn it, oh you kids. Is, I would just right, say, uh, right. yeah, uh, no, totally. Yeah. Like, uh, Alanis Morissette is popular at this time. Like there are ways to have a female singer. They wanted talking. Green Day. They wanted Green Day for it. Sure. That would like, have been great. Green, uh, that would have been great for sure. Like somebody that has a little bit more like, like real foreboding, real punk and energy, but it's just like this candy coated, I get you. I, I and, uh, in that, I, I'm, you know, being pointed in that. Like, I get you. Of, we're just having a good time. But and I was like, having a good time during the I part know. of the movie, though, too. It, it's like, okay. I feel like I had I, a much better time with it being like, and we're going to send you out with them dancing on the rooftop, <laughs> and it's going to be like fun and happy, and they're all having a good time. It's not going to be uh, like, yeah, I don't know. It, either could have worked, but there was something that like it's that, the, worked for, that, a lot didn't yeah, work from this for for me for this movie. But the song was was totally fine for me. <laughs> I liked it. It reminded uh, me of Ten Things I Hate About You when they like end the movie with like the girl band on top of the roof, and it like zooms out, and it's like happy, cheery. Like I don't know, and like I like like kind of like cheery, poppy girl band songs. Like so cats or something. Yeah. Oh my so god, much, I love that. I love Josie and the Pussycats, but that seems so much more earned Another fuck the man, man. to ha- to have a fun song in and I think especially given what the soundtrack is is like they wanted something counterculture edgier like cuz if you were to look at the soundtrack it, retrospectively, as we're looking at it now, is that most of the bands on the soundtrack don't exist any. Like they're not making music, or they're not. There's some cranberries, anymore. but yeah, that's about it. The cranberries <laughs> are in there, and like you know, all those toe the wet sprocket fans. I think they they have hardcore <laughs> following. I know they're so but, mad at me right now. I mispronounced the name. Um, like it's just interesting to me that it. Like, okay, so I, I just uh, pulled up a little bit while we were watching this, like, or talking about this, like, what are some popular bands during this time? And we're talking Oasis, Pearl Jam, Alanis oh, Morissette, sure. like Green Day, like uh, Jewel, um, The yeah. Cranberries, which is in here, uh, Radiohead starts coming on the scene, like Counting Crows, I mean, Heard Counting I Crows. Sure. No, no, yeah. like green, green day, and very close, but not yet. Yeah, yeah. 
Blink yeah, 80, but like one eighty two was was like this this kind of pop pop punk sort of stuff. It's like punk kind of had its thing, and that and then now as well, it's like not my not I'm not my cup of tea necessarily, but some ska and and that kind of like offshoots of of the punk scene. I think start to start to emerge as well. But I think Which per, I, I think loved, I think Pearl I Jam. Love, I mean Pearl Jam. You're right on top of it. Like that that was it right at the time was was fucking Pearl Jam. For sure, like maybe Rage this, Against the Machine. I don't know. This movie like rage has Guar in it. This movie yeah. has Mark liking like really edgy, interesting music. Like, and the, I love too that the sequence of like you know them having a back and forth of stuff. Like, I love the song Vito. It's so such it's, a fun oh. idea. I love that song veto idea. It's so, and there's like, a sound, there's there's like sound cor- corporate like jingly bullshit that I'm like, why is this in this movie? I'm I get that it's a fun song and I I, I don't want to like I, you know totally <laughs> shit on it because I I get where you two are coming from, especially because I think we're we're about to get into our uh we're about to get into the reviews, but then our final summations of this like there is a lot of good hearted shit in this that like makes this movie fun and makes it redeemable. Like people are, have good intentions. There is fun that's being had that is like worth praising for sure. But man, I just want to say like, I don't think it is like, I understand. I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, I see your point of how you want it to be more of like, fuck the man kind of thing. But I still don't think it's like corporate. Like, I still think there were a lot of like, girl bands that were like more poppy, but were still very alternative. And that's the vibe I get of the song. I, I There's no one I can think of specifically off the top of my head. But I real just, big fish or something you I know, d- no, like, Cara I totally get where you're coming from especially with Renee Zellweger singing the way that she does and bringing that energy you're absolutely right Liz Affair uh, or Liz oh, Fair, Fair Fest, yeah. Uh, yeah existed and like there's nothing wrong with like a female uh, vocalist with a pop sensibility with rock guitars on it like I, it's yeah i just yeah i just yeah i have i i guess i have a hard time with like here's where i'm gonna hang my hat on this like movies no, thesis brandon, brandon you wanted like uh you wanted like the fuck the man song to happen and then like the movie to wrap up with like one more scene and then the end credits song comes around <laughs> renee zellweger comes out and then start, right. rolling, start rolling the credits and then while the credits are rolling you get sugar high sugar yeah well you're walking out of the theater you know on a sugar high or a pot pot brownie high whichever it's also fitting well the pop the pot slash sugar high um it's so fitting for the movie too because they don't really get deeper like it is just kind of like a feel-good movie so i mean it would be kind of weird to like get into like a or um no totally kind of song because it is like I don't know. Sure. What, is, this, is this a comedy? Like, I feel like it's more of a comedy than like. That's an Cara. That's an excellent point because what I'm doing in that moment, and I'm glad you're calling this out, is that that would have fit into a broader change and type of movie that I would have liked to have seen out of this because this movie, given its actors and given like certain things that are presented if it would have doubled down on them, if it would have pushed those actors more, it would have been a different movie. And then that 
song would have been better or would have fit more. But you're absolutely right in saying, like, we had so much fun through this. And then to, like, yeah, like, I get have more fun with Renee Zellweger, uh, Coyote Silver, whatever it is, singing Sugar High on top of the record store. Like, I totally get wanting, like, that song isn't bad. I'm going to I'm going to say this. this I, it's not that I don't like the song. But we are presented with a movie about teenagers at a record store dealing with at times serious issues, whether the movie doubles down on them or not is what we've been talking about. But like this movie, if it was different in other ways, could have had the scene of singing and having a song where it was Renee Zellweger. In my mind, after seeing this, and then uh, uh, obviously a couple of her other movies, but like she could sing and crush anything that's put in front of her. <laughs> I I fell in love with her in this movie. <laughs> oh my god! I just yeah, I can't like I can't enough. Just like fuck, man. Like she's so good she is makes you feel like she is going through it she has so much agency in the things that she is doing and god damn it she yeah she's so good great i recently watched all the bridget jones diaries for the first time like i'm 30 years old and it's like the first time i've ever seen it um and you know i kind of avoided it because of that like stereotype of it being like this rom-com and like you know i just was like i'm not gonna enjoy it and then i loved it because of her like she is so amazing like i realized she is such a great actress that like she makes the movie so interesting like She's so good so in Jerry Maguire. I mean, that's no, that's not like a hot take or anything. <laughs> that's not, yeah. She's amazing in that movie. Yeah. And to oh, bounce off God. like Tom Cruise so effortlessly and like remain your, maintain your charm. And I, I don't know. It's like, she's, she makes me happy. And to have her in this role was really fascinating too. Is it, is it, it's pretty different than Bridget Jones, right? It's a pretty different role. It's which pretty is, different, which but cool. she like gives it her all in Bridget Jones. And I'm like, wow, like I, I kind of like only really knew her from Chicago. Yeah. And like, oh. I feel like oh, there was a lot of stuff like in the, in the media about like her weight and her face and stuff. So I like, didn't really Fuck know media. her. Oh. I know it's so fucked up because it's like, so fucked up. That was like all I really knew about her, like growing up right. was that like, she was like, gaining yeah, they treated weight. her like shit. Right. Yeah. And so I, Absolutely. you know, in my mind, I was just like, oh, she's probably like a little cuckoo, which that I I'm, I feel bad even like saying that out loud. But like after watching her performances, I'm like, she's amazing. Like she's a really good actress. Yeah. And good, great singer. I mean, I'm so glad you you mentioned yeah. Chicago because that's kind yeah. of like um, down, the, down there. It's like Jerry Maguire. And then I think kind of Chicago is after this. And um, that's that means. I don't know. Casting agents, people like saw this movie or aware of this movie, or at least aware of like these, the rise of these, uh, a few of these people. Um, and, and felt the same way we do. Oh, it's yeah. like, you see this movie and you're like, I gotta have that person in more movies. Yeah, I want, and like I want this, more of her. Yeah. Very, 
Kate Bradley Cooper, someone like that. Renee Zellweger? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. Dated him from 2019 or 2009 to 2011. And I remember that time people being like, oh, he's like too good looking for her. Like, why would they pick? Why would he date her? And, you know, I just hate how the media like I hate it talks so about much. women. Yeah. It's like she's probably it's really so cool, destructive, like yeah. down to earth person, and he probably really liked her. But like, there's just, just like, so who much fucking like fucking cares. Like, it's yeah. all about conflict because that's what yeah. sells yeah. papers, mm-hmm. and it just like frustrates me so much. Uh, especially like it happens to women more so than men. It's like these people are so fucking great and we're just like nitpicking shit just to like create drama and it's socially acceptable in certain like you know eras or whatever to just like i guess almost every era to just shit on women and to create drama because that's what sells papers but like you watch her in this movie and you're like i want to see her succeed in everything that she does because she's the fucking best like if people talking ill about her it's like God, like you're going to prevent her from getting a role because she's got some tabloid story about her being shitty about whatever. It's like, damn, we missed out on Renee Zellweger being in whatever. Because what? It sold you fucking papers because you can shit on women. It like, uh, it yeah, drives, our, that, our obsession with celebrity. I don't know. Like, it's just it's it's almost. It's, it's just so weird toxic. to me. It's almost ironic because it's just like these you pride these people on being playing someone else like being someone else and yet people are so fascinated and curious and interested about who the real person is it's like you're not i don't know it just seems weird to me maybe this is like a a, a weird take because it's just like so embedded in our cult especially american western culture and everything is like fascination and obsession with celebrity it's like who fucking cares dude like what i mean to unless they're like a so many unless they're a downright like so many so many people but like unless they're a downright like trash person or an amazing person it's like oh this person happens to be amazing it's like that's good cool whatever i could know that i could not whatever but unless they're a completely trash person it's like hey they're good at doing the acting thing and pretending to be someone else why would i give a fuck about who they are and like their personal life i don't know it's it's just something that it's like not not a novel concept to a lot of people but it's just like within our culture it is just so much of like knowing celebrities and who they are and what they stand for and as if that i don't as if that matters i I don't know unless they're doing something like terrible like then you know yes exactly that's That's what i'm saying that's That's exactly my point if they are a trash person it's a person it's like yeah we have the right to know if you know this this person is continually given an opportunity to be a part of this industry I, you know, like there's plenty of people that have, that have come out that are just a trash, that are trash people that have, that have come out and there's, that's not, that's only the beginning. That's only, only like the tip of the iceberg, but I, I, I don't know. That's, that's not really what I'm necessarily referring to. It's yeah. It's more just like, Ooh, who is she dating? And what is, you know, what's, her, what's her weight now? And like, yeah. why, what, like what's her relationship status? And, and so, yeah, most of the time it is her, it, her, what is she doing? What like, and it's uh and especially when it has to do with appearance and that's i don't know i can only i can only imagine the yeah i would just say like all of us and at this time too it's like we saw what happened to britney spears is how people how people treat her at at this point in particular it's like i'm sorry to cut you off but it's just you know and not that that much better that much better now but they were really particularly mean at this time 
you know. Oh my God, yeah. Like, and that's the point I would women. make is, is that we grew up and I think something that I would just kind of implore us, I know that we're doing it naturally, but like we grew up in a time that when more and more people were connected online, we were more interested in what was going on in the world naturally. Like that's a human interaction of like, oh, so I have like, I have the ability to like connect or talk to more people. So I'm more interested in what's going on with all of these other people. And the negative aspect of that is that we push so much of like what people's personal lives were and then generated stories that weren't totally like, it's not about a person being a human being. It's about a person just acting in a way that I can sell papers and stories to. And we just all grew up in an era where that was so incredibly prominent for people to come up and with stories and to propagate lies or exaggerate because everybody was coming online and they wanted to read stories about people, especially celebrities in particular. And so it really just made uh, it, it just fostered an environment for people to be incredibly negative or hyperbolic about what was going on because it got clicks, which is still happening now for sure. But I would posit something that's so incredible about the Me Too movement is, is that like what's also really like garners clicks and interest is people exposing people other people for really being terrible people and then starting to collectively think i don't want those people to be like prominent or to be important anymore because they're so shitty of a person and i think there's more of that happening where we are valuing the character of people because like no matter what was said about Renee Zellweger in the nineties and two thousands, like she's not a bad person. It's so unfortunate that she had to go through like so much time spent of people criticizing her and being framed as a bad person, but she is not a bad person. And again, like uh, I think about I don't know if the- they like framed her as a bad, I don't know like you know, it was just mostly about her appearance and like how she was like gaining weight and plastic surgery and stuff but i don't know any stories about like her specifically being a bad person i mean i just am not aware of them no no there's not any story there's not any stories of her being a bad person but there was more stories about her appearance and what i would say then moving now towards to where we're at is is that people are focusing I would argue, and I'm sure somebody would argue against this, is that people are caring less about in the early 2000s about somebody's weight gains as opposed to whether or not they are, you know, uh, adding value or hurting people and then making distinctions on whether a person is good or Mm -hmm. valuable based on those genuine merits Mm -hmm. of a person as opposed to whether or not they're yeah and i guess just you know just the process about about going about it where it's like yeah is it true honest investigative journalism about someone's moral code or what they're what they're doing or is it just following them until they do something that's you know like embarrassing or something right like Uh catch that'll like incriminate them for just being like a klutz or being like 
eating a sandwich on a bench alone. Oh, look at Keanu. He's so sad. He's just like, dude, he's trying to eat a sandwich, man. He's just trying to let him eat a sandwich. Um, The internet loves Keanu though. I know. And they care about (laughs) it, but it's also, it's also contextualizing a moment. Like even he's, he's like, I was just eating a fucking sandwich. Like I I don't, I'm not, I wasn't feeling sad or anything. It's like, but, but people will uh, uh, ascribe their own meaning to whatever. And there's people who make money off of just finding meaning when there's none. And that's different than investigating something that's being propagated. That's, you know, a systemic set, like sexist sort of uh, empire that whatever fucking Harvey wants or whatever. And it's like all the shit, even all the shit with, with, you know, I mean, I guess, Epstein's a different, you know, we don't want to go into Epstein, but like all the, all, all it's all. Nonetheless, like you're looking is, at, you know. yeah, you're looking at now in retrospectively what we were criticizing one person for in the late nineties, early two thousands and what we're criticizing a person in 2020. And I think we have made progress again. I think other people would argue against it, but in both directions. In, in both directions, there's but more, like there's more tabloid shit. Yeah, of I'm, course. And there's uh, I, I, I am going to push for more critical uh, looks and like the the microscope being focused on people mm. who are making poor decisions that we collectively as a society are going to go shame. Don't do that. That's fucked up. I don't want any more of that. As opposed to whether or not you're like gaining 15 pounds for a role. Like I, I, I would love to hope that there's less of that, but maybe I'm just being blissfully ignorant too. So I, I, guess I love your take on it. And I think focusing on some of that stuff is, is, is refreshing because people can be very critical at this point in time. And that's what those tabloids are made out of. So finding the positives in it, I think is always a worthwhile exercise and not to be so, so we're focusing uh, on genuine negatives. I would just, you know, to move yeah, away from sure. that. It's like mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger gaining weight or dating somebody who may be younger or older or whatever, like that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What I would like people to focus on is whether the relationship is consensual, whether it is a, uh, you know, whether people are treating the kids in the relationship better, like focusing mm-hmm. more so on those things as opposed to whether or not, you know, mm-hmm. she is at a club or she is, you know, gaining weight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like those things don't matter to me. Yeah. At this point, you just go and I would I like to hope that they don't go on their Instagram, go on their Twitter, everything that they want you to see, you can see there. And I'm sure they'll share plenty of it. It's like the stuff that they don't want you, want you to see. It's like you can go to fucking what is a daily mail or fucking, you know, whatever TMZ and, and go find it, go find it there. But that sort of voyeuristic nature of it, I think gets people off and that's what they're into. I know, but we'll move on. Let's, I don't know. We can, we can, or is anything else you guys want to say about that? (laughs) I I was just going to get on to to find, to final reviews and, uh, Oh, before we get into final reviews, critics, critics, and critics and audience uh, stuff. Should I go ahead and start reading some reviews? Oh, uh, Brandy. You can. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. Okay. Well, Cara, let's, let's start uh, going through some reviews here. Um, we got from David Cronkie, LA times. The biggest, uh, the biggest audience laugh at a recent showing came when a guy deadpanned. This movie speaks for our generation. The sun can't set too soon on this empire. It's a very, very weighty 
critic thing to say. I, I, I'm, I was trying to parse exactly what he's trying to express there. I guess the, the, he's just saying that the audience was laughing at a guy saying it, the movie spoke for, for their generation. Um, I mean, it's very broad, like the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, did the audience not like it and they were laughing at it? I don't know. That's just maybe I should read the whole whole review, but that wasn't that's just such a such a critics critic type review. I'll move on. Uh, we're doing little snippets through Rotten Tomatoes, and this is just an interesting process because it kind of expresses how people look for movies and how they decide if a movie's good or not. And uh, this one has a thirty. Um, I've, I I'm not sure. Did I already say it, say it before? It has a thirty one percent by critics and only thirty five reviews on. Rotten Tomatoes for the critics. So this is kind of like a small little uh, sampling size, to be honest. But they probably pulled them from reviews uh, that were made at the time because we got good old Gene Siskel here. Um, Chicago Tribune, of course. A lousy comic drama about the efforts of some independent record store employees to maintain the integrity of their business. Uh, He gave it a one out of four. Lousy comic drama is essentially his his take. Um, Mark Caro from Chicago. Chicago Tribune as well. Oh, wait, the two reviews from Chicago. Let's read both of them. Um, if clerks were written by TV hacks, it might feel something like this. It is that sort of like day in the life of uh, somebody who works at a, at a certain type of store. That's what I, I forgot to mention earlier is that this movie has very 90s movie, uh, teen movie vibes, like mm-hmm. uh, mall rats and clerks and like uh, mm-hmm. just we're like, nothing really happens like nothing really i mean i guess there's a lot that happens in this movie but it's just all very like easy to watch stuff yeah they don't really get deeper into things like maybe that like there was some stuff in the 90s where people just like didn't want to get deeper into all the issues that like were happening too these ensemble things like yeah we watched rent and i know that was, it was just reminding me of like let's take this ensemble cast use them to talk about the problems of our time and each one can represent a different uh aspect of of what's going on generationally and uh of of the moment and um i think that was it was kind of a kind of a theme but the actual drama of it was like the all the stealing of the money they kind of just forgot about it midway through the movie and then brought it back at the end i think uh ty burr entertainment weekly the movie is too blatant a throwback to crass 80s teen fodder. Oh, sorry. I did not place emphasis correctly. The movie is too blatant a throwback to crass 80s teen fodder to really work. There's a lot of adjectives. That's why I had a hard time. Too blatant a throwback <laughs> to crass 80s teen fodder to really work. Blatant. Crass. Yeah. Um, Ken Eisner Variety. A soundtrack in search of a movie. Empire Records is one teen music effort that never finds a groove. Um, and then we'll finish with uh, Roger Ebert. Why not? Chicago Sun Thames. If the movie is a lost cause, it may be. It may at least showcase actors who have better things ahead of them. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say Peter Traver because Peter Traver is in Rolling Stone. I always I always like to follow his his take on movies. He called it love, lovably sloppy. Three out of four. I thought, I don't know. I just thought that was a nice little Peter. No, it's a good take. Peter Travers take. And we'll move on to audience uh, reviews. 83% audience um, on Amazon. It's got 5,000 reviews, 5,077 reviews. 
and it has a 4.8 out of five uh, average. 87% of the of those 5,000 reviews are five stars. So people fucking love this movie. Um, and this review, I'll just say, uh, kind of expresses the disdain for the like director's cut version that they came out with. Um, from Courtney R titled, it really is the original theatrical version. The other reviewers are right. The Blu-ray, the Blu-ray really is the original theatrical version. I was skeptical, but thought I'd take a chance since this was one of my favorite movies of the nineties and often quoted when I worked in a music store in my late teens, the remix version is just awful. So I'm quite happy to be able to enjoy this movie again. If you've been searching for the original version, here it is. So it's on Amazon. If you're looking for that original version and and there's a lot of these reviews that are like, fuck the rem it's called the remix version um, that are just like letting people know that like, this is not that version. So I would almost be curious to look at some of those reviews of the, of the remix version too. Just like it's there's okay. There's this one line that I I think I remember where I know, I know <laughs> where the, the Rex Manning, he's leaving. <clears throat> there's not like an orbital them, song in here. All of them are like uh, shitting on him and everything. And then he says that line, why don't you all just fade away? And then he goes yeah. away. Yeah. They, they took that line out. And he just oh, like, yeah. he says some stupid leather throwaway line that isn't great. And then it's like, it's just what a way to like get people pissed, man. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it blows my mind that like they got him angry in a whole new way. Um, Didn't he say something like, um, why don't you, well, you guys are all right. Like he like kind of agrees with them. Like I am like well, washed out. Yeah. yeah. Which I enjoyed the shit out of like his, but it's just like understanding of that place. That's why I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I was for the Rex Manning stuff in this movie. Yeah. Um, from Rich, five stars. Title, oh, wait, sorry. Title. Add to the Rex Manning thing. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so Re- Rex Ma- Manning Day is on the day. Oh, yeah. Is the day that Kurt Cobain died. They like found oh, his body. Yeah. Yeah. There was well, uh, they found his body or he. Yeah, I'm, I guess. Actually, that, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's the same. I would assume it's a, it's got to be the same day, right? I don't know. Maybe. But uh yeah, it's like there's a poster. It's like April 8th or something like that. April 9th, I think. And yeah, there's a poster on the front of the record store that says it. So, you know, it's just uh, trying to express uh, what was going on around the around those times, I guess. Um, oh, t- well. From Rich, uh, <laughs> five stars, titled A Family That Works Together Stays Together. I really thought this movie was awesome. It has a perfect cast and a soundtrack to go with it. Joe Reeves... Uh, runs an runs an Empire record store, but is worried that the shop might get bought out by a bigger chain. The rest of the shop workers find this out at the end of the day and don't want to see their shop go anywhere. So they decide to take matters into their own hands to try to save it. Don't want to say any more and ruin it, but I guarantee you'll like this movie. I gave this movie five stars for a perfect cast, soundtrack, and the interaction between the characters. Love that interaction. Um, uh, from Super Cyberfunk. Five stars. Ooh, cool awesome. handle. Yeah, it's a cool one. Super cyberfunk. Um, awesome movie. Must watch if you like the 90s. Actually, like me. Brandon, did you write this review? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite movie of all the 90s. Teen movies don't really get any better than this. For me, anyway. Watching it kind of makes me want to have my own record store. As long as I'm rich and don't care if it's feasible in today's economy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Didn't understand the uh, nature of the movie. The characters are charismatic, and Anthony LaPaglia's character Joe is a cool boss to have and also doesn't take much crap. Yeah, he also punches one of the fucking employees in the face. I wish I had a cool job to go to like these kids. It was that kind of thing like, I don't know. It's like, I wish my office was like the office and all, we all got in a bunch of hijinks and had fun. Uh, and I uh, had a cool boss <laughs> that punched me in the face every now and then if I got out of line. Um, or if you, if you stole $9,000 and gambled it, I think you deserve a punch in the face. I don't know. Um, da, 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 da. Marina 25 titled damn the man. Seriously. How could you not love this movie? Every teenager should be required to watch it. The cast is great. The dialogue is hilarious. The movie is so nineties, indie punk hipster nineties slash indie slash punk slash hipster brings you slash brings you back to what it was like it just makes you smile watch it you'll love it yeah if your parents were telling you about that Mm -hmm. um i think i'll do like two more uh from uh sparkles the cat five stars i use this in my yes this is a cat uh titled normal in quotation marks normal I use this in my child dev class to prompt our discussions about teens, typical teen behavior, and also peer family. It's so old that it's brand new to my students, but they really enjoy it and it's new every time. Plus, it's just a fave. So someone is using this as a teaching tool in the child development class. I don't know. Some of that stuff about suicide, I, I don't know. I feel like they're just like open to talk about some some shit that like not isn't really brought up in 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 movies you know or if it is it's it's more dramatic and this was like able to be as uh ebert would put it a lousy comic drama something like that or uh, was that yeah. school yeah um, teachers probably so cool at the high school or wherever they're teaching <laughs> like did you ever have that teacher that would like play cool movies for you guys or like substitutes that oh would, like, for sure yeah. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh this person's yeah. so cool because they like get it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, which is Joe's energy entirely. Yeah. For sure. All right. I'll do one more. Um, Intimidable Idiot. Mm. Fantastic, titled Fantastic 90s Fun and a great dot, dot, dot soundtrack. And then it continues on into the review. That's kind of cute. This is a very infectiously fun movie. A day in the life of a teen working for the man, a very cool man. Everyone loves, sorry, I'm yelling. Everyone loves Joe and I do too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. There's all these reviews are like, man, I want to work for Joe or like, I wish I was like Joe. Um, the music, Joe's the man, uh, or he's, what does he say? I'm not the man. I'm the, we're all idiots. And that's the man or something like that. Um, the music is classic nineties and fun. I especially like Renee Zellweger singing sugar high. Heck, I especially, I especially like whatever she sings says and wears <laughs> oh my god okay all right <laughs> i know we've been doing the exact same thing i know we have, we've, we've done we've done the same thing um give it a shot it's a worthy contender for a rainy stormy snowy afternoon it is kind of has that feel for a movie i feel like play it put it on tv and just like tune in whenever you, oh, you drop it is drop, such drop, a drop warm out. blanket for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's uh, let's r- r- wrap it up. Kara, uh, would you like to go first, second, or last? Um, oh, we're going to I'd like to go second. Second. Okay. Brandon, I give it to you, sir. 
Or do you want to flip a coin yeah. or do rock, paper, scissors? No, no, I'm ready to talk about talk about how I feel about this movie. All right. Um man, I'm like we talked about euphoria. Like, I'm so fucking down for coming of age stories that deal with really interesting issues that teenagers have to deal with because all of those issues I've dealt with are fundamental to like your opinion about life, no matter like as you get older. And I treasure so much new and fresh perspectives from things. And so little of that is kept in this movie. And uh, I will say that I appreciate the fun that this movie has because I think there is a fun loving nature to uh, like just living life um, and being at a record store. I love music a lot. It was fun to be surrounded by that. It wasn't like the most fun given the music that they chose for it, but I love so much of the energy about like importance of music to a degree even that in this movie is really minuscule um i i guess more so i really enjoy the uh you have a veto and it comes with a like an alarm i really i really enjoy it's great and then who gets to decide like how we decide what or who's picking the music first is based off of m&m colors like I really oh, yeah. fucking I, that was enjoy great. enjoy the shit out of that, but like this movie po- this movie posits things that are interesting, but never follows through with it. It has people in it who are amazing, it, it, you know, i.e. Renee Zellweger, but like does very little with them. And you know, to what James has talked about about this movie being workshopped or being cut down or being edited. Uh, all of that, like it shows because it prioritizes easy, digestible fun over like, you know, um, what honestly the target demo is about. It's like, I mean, God damn it. Like teenagers are getting into gritty shit. Like we're going to continue from like 95 on get into movies, get into content. That's like really hard hitting, really, in, you know, categorizes like yeah uh not easily digestible or hard hitting or whatever and i will say that it is to its benefit and then just like i'm explaining to its detriment is that there is now a part of me that really enjoys the fun of this and fun loving nature of this and has some really loving caring people in this that i just have a hard time not like speaking highly of like I mean, the fact that kids are allowed to fuck up and there's somebody to, like, catch them is, like, beautiful. Because, like, kids and anybody needs that shit. And I love that so much. But what kids also need is to, and our teenagers or whatever, is, like, to hear about and to see people going through the same shit that they're going through and there's very little of that in this movie it posits that there is it's happening but it never gets into it and i just just like with uh, plenty of movies like i always find myself of like do i like it like is does fun reign supreme because that's what movies are about it's like Mm. having fun 
yeah. or 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 movies also a vehicle to like be a window into the human psyche and mm. like challenge you to like think about things that are happening to you but they're also happening to somebody else so you can relate to them and i just like i guess i'm now bringing this up because like that's something that's been more and more apparent as i've been doing this podcast is like how do I grade something that's genuinely fun and like, and that's okay to be fun. Mm -hmm. Like movies are allowed to be fun and enjoyable, but you know, I also just saw Minari recently. So I'm really on the side of like, they can also be this like really perfect window into what human nature is about. And that's mm -hmm. like really cool. Um, so yeah, like this movie is fun and is a total slam dunk if you want to uh put on a movie on a sunday and just have it playing in the background it's got the music's good it's not like i wouldn't say representative of the time but it's like it's pretty decent and um some of the performance uh performances are are good i would say joe is really great i would also say that robin uh, who plays Deb is really great. And of course, uh, the queen Renee Zellweger is a real standout to this, but overall, like the movie is like, it's okay. It's not like, you know, if you were to talk about the pantheon of high school or coming of age movies, like your, you know, uh, breakfast clubs, your, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High had a girl wanting to be popular, getting pregnant and dealing with the fallout of that. And that is so in, like incredibly deep and powerful. And this movie couldn't really give two shits about getting into that kind of stuff about like what it means to want power, what it means to get certain things you want and then have to deal with that. Like it doesn't really deal with it. We get glimpses of it. Sure. But it prioritizes fun for sure. And so I'm going to give this movie a 70%. That's what I'm going to do. Very nice. After you, uh, Cara. Um, just going off of what Brandon said, cause I kind of struggle with the same thing between like watching things for fun and watching things for more, um, of a human experience or just something I can like learn from. Um, I feel like that's something that I've noticed I've struggled with lately is that like, it's hard for me to watch older films because there's a lot of problematic things. Um, now that I'm aware of these problematic things. So um, I tend to watch more newer things like Euphoria, where they like talk about real things or things that um, like all different types of people can relate to. Um, so I do struggle between like just watching things for fun or whether it's like, you know, politically correct or whatever, you know, but like watching this really puts me in this place that I, um, I don't know. I enjoy, like I grew up going to punk shows. I used to hang out at a local record shop when I was in high school or I guess college. But, um, and so like a lot of the things that they experienced were, it was pretty accurate. Like everyone would just fuck off, drink beers all day. And like, 
like there'd be random shows that would happen out of nowhere. And it was all just really relatable to that scene. And so I can see why people really like this movie because yeah, a lot of people did that kind of stuff. Like, um, and also it reminded me of like working at Cold Stone when I was in high school and like the, like how, who's going to like open, who's going to like turn on the ice cream. Tip like, songs. Be- Gotta do those tip songs. Yeah. Like I just, I, it reminds me of a time. So it, it, it's definitely like a feel good movie. And I like being in that atmosphere and I love like nineties music. I love nineties fashion. And I, um, so it's something that I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed it more the first time I watched it. Um, I think I've seen it like two or three times now. So I don't think it's something I would recommend to people. Like it's not something that I would go and be like, Hey, you got to like watch this movie. And I think that's how I'm going to base my score off of is like whether I'd recommend it to people. And I don't think I would, but if it came up, came up in conversation, I would definitely get excited to talk about it. So I wouldn't be like, you need to go check this movie out. But if it came up in conversation, I'd be so stoked to talk about it. Um, so Good with that, you had a whole podcast about it. Podcast <laughs> exactly. <about> it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to add it to my favorite list or like, just, I'm not going to be like, you need to go see this movie. Um, it's life changing. So I think I'm going to rate it a 60. Um, I was actually surprised with that rating because I like loved this movie back then. Like I first like watched it in college and I was like, yeah, this, the, the, this relates to everything I'm going through right now. Like I'm totally like, like these characters. So enjoyed it more back then, but being 30 now, um, it's just more of like a memory, like a good memory rather than it being relatable now. Hell Yeah. Damn, I, that was a good review. I love how you have uh how you put that put your review together, both of you, because I think I've been having my own, you know, throughout this podcast of having to rate movies and decide how I feel about them and put the put the score to it. It is it is a difficult task and it's hard to know and quantify your experience with the movie. I was having that same, I feel like a similar difficulty you had expressed, Brandon, with Armageddon last week, where I was like, I was generally entertained, but do I like this movie? I don't know. And what does that mean about me? Am I thinking too hard? Like you can just be entertained and you and that, and that could be it. But I was like kind of offended by like some things in that movie. There's something like that. I was like, like that would like really rub me and irk me the wrong way with this movie, less offensive, not like an unoffensive movie, a truly like an inoffensive, like not trying to like, it just doesn't, it doesn't rub me in a way that's that's upsetting enough for me to get kind of like or like uh, upset or or angry that I watched it or something like that or spent the time like two and a half hours to watch Armageddon, which is just our more recent movies that I'm that I'm thinking of. Um, but along with that uh, of having of having that whole dilemma in my mind, I also have this this interesting dilemma of like learning a bit about the production turmoil that and all the history of this movie that I brought up earlier of like. How is that going to affect my enjoyment or, or thoughts about it? I think it definitely illuminated uh, not my knowledge of, of the movie. And it definitely like kind of rep- like when I think about it now and knowing that history, it represents something different in my mind than just a movie. You know, it's weird. And I, I think like for a lot of people, a lot of people, it's nostalgia for them 
of like this movie is not a movie because it's so nostalgic for me. And so like, it's just fascinating to come across these kind of movies that like surpass even their original intention or their meaning or like the movie themselves that they grow into. Yeah. And either like a nostalgia piece or just, um, just like an entertaining thing that you can like take a nap to and come and wake back up or, or something on, on a, like a rainy day that some people had mentioned as well, or something that represents like generationally, um, something that someone was, was going through or someone that you, you use for a child development class or something like, like that too. It's just, it's, that kind of stuff is fascinating to me where it's like, this is kind of surpassed just being a movie for, for some people. Um, but yeah, with, with all that aside, I, I'm, I feel like I'm the same general boat as you guys, as far as like, I had a generally like good time, just like throwing this on and having it, having it be there. Like, yeah, it was no, no point where I'm like, ah, oh, shut this off. It was like, yeah, I'll keep rolling with this movie and, and, and see where it turns out. You know, you generally can like predict where it's going to go, but I do like those kind of like little snippets of a day in the life of a record store watching high fidelity. Some of those, some of those parts are the best of them just like fucking around and having these like esoteric sort of like pretentious conversations about music in the record store. Um, and, uh, that's, that's something that speaks to me. I like, I'm, I feel like I'm the, I'm the demographic to be spoken to as someone who likes music. And as with Cara too, it's like going to shows and hanging around, music shops and stuff like that you i do have a real nostalgia for that at least maybe not this movie but that sort of hanging out around in a record store and all that stuff all these things i feel like i've talked enough about the movie so just like talking about like stuff apart from the movie that just like kind of like brings elevates the movie in a, in a way for me where i will be giving it you know like uh, a generally favorable review but as per usual i'm going to go through my notes and do a couple uh, classic lines. You dog. Okay. And tease you guys with my score so I can get you on the hook for my, uh, the, the lines that, that I thought would be worth sharing. Um, baby, you are sex. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fun. My wife left me for another woman and my girlfriend held me at, Gun point. Um, I don't know if that's a line. Uh, let's. What? Oh, here's the one that. Uh, is it Deb says? Um, when she's confronted about if she, like, what's going on with her wrist. I went to rock. Yeah. And ro- I went to rock and roll heaven, and I wasn't on the guest list. Uh huh. <laughs> Another great line. Um, when the is Warren Beatty gets asked how old he is, he says old enough to kick your butt through your skull and splatter your brains on the wall. <laughs> that one's my favorite. That was the, the best one. Um, actually, this one, this next one might be my favorite. You're never going to be like your mother if you don't want to be like your mother. Yeah, totally. That's what happens. Yeah, that's, that's just the, that's just <laughs> that's the, exa- that's the best that's the nature. Give her, give her a break. She's on speed. <laughs> Um, with all that aside, I'm in the same exact hand-holding boat with you, Cara. I was, I promise I was going to give this a 60. This is a 60% for me, a light six as, uh, Anthony Fantano, my, or our, our other hero, yeah. Fantano, uh, egg, Eggman would, would say, um, is a light, light six, a light 60 is, is right where I, it's like, I think the cutoff yeah. for Rotten Tomatoes being a fresh or not, it's 60. This is this is not a, a rotten movie. If it has to be binary like that, this is a fresh movie. Not much above that for me. 
Um, and this conversation, I say every time, 10 out of 10, 100% conversation. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that. And, uh, I know, started at the 60, but then, yeah, yeah, this conversation. Hey, good for you. It's dude. That happens every single time on this podcast. Like I fluctuate this one. I was pretty like much sticking to my guns, but you know, like fat man, even I was like, this was like a 5%. <laughs> and I like, I was like, okay, I'll give it a 30 something. You guys like convinced me. It's, it's fun going through this process. If you have an open mind about something, uh, talking with your buddies about it and how they feel about it, uh, is, yeah. is such a fun process. If you're like willing to be malleable by, by the world and, Absolutely. And, and the people in it and, the, and their opinions and there's no right or wrong. And I would like, I don't know. I could totally understand someone being like, that's my favorite movie. Like I just, I would get it. Like, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge you for it. It's like, I, that makes complete Absolutely. sense to me. And it's like, yeah, the gin blossoms are, are also my favorite band. No surprise, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did it guys. Thank, thank you so much for uh, going on this journey. This is the next portion where we talk about our movie for next week. Um, Brandon, I was putting some in the chat. The, the one I put at the end there, I was, uh, in the discord chat. I was wondering if you still feel like doing that one. Otherwise I got a couple others above it that are, that are options as well. But there's just been, there's been this one that we have talked about, uh, doing. And I, th- I thought that would be uh, it's a more of a recent recent movie. I can just reveal if you'd like. I I think we there was a part of me we talked about it I, about waiting till next year during Christmas time to do it. But I I get where you're Wait, coming this from. Christmas twenty twenty two Christmas. Uh huh. Oh. The one because it's like it's like a Christmas oh, it movie is? at this oh, point. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's also it just got a green lit for two more sequels, so we'll have time to do it. No worries. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, two uh, two two sequels. Um and then your second movie, I need to get our guest Nick Schulte on. Okay. I was uh, thinking this one, uh, I'm, or I guess it would be the third the third one. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. It's a weird movie. Yeah, yeah. To revisit if you want to do that one. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I love these pictures. And I think we've only done one animated movie so far. <laughs> Stephen. Oh yeah, I also provided Stephen Tyler <laughs> pictures in the chat. If anyone <laughs> is curious about his current look, um, I mean, it hasn't changed. That's a, that's the thing. It's the Seinfeld joke where it's like he picked his look in his 30s and hasn't changed. His look, however, in 30s was like different color hair and scarves. And um, yeah, he looks like your Aunt Edna uh, is right. who's like a theater teacher or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but OK, so I will I will announce it then. Yes. Yes. Would you like to do ants? I would love with, to do ants. with a Z. Yes. All right. Then we are truly on a 90s kick. I think this uh, this most recent like past like few weeks or so we've we've been doing let's see we got we got uh we got what do we got on this on the score here we got a 92% from critics a 92% a certified fresh 92% from critics this is a critics favored movie which is kind of rare in our uh line of work here at polarized it's mostly mostly audiences like things and critics like no you can't like that thing is generally why it gets polarizing but this one was like Critics were like, no, we love ants and 
audience, you were a fools t- for liking Bugs Life, which makes it, I, I got to check right now. I'll check when we do the episode. I'm a, Bugs, I, I'm a Bugs Life person. I got to see what that Bugs Life score Most is. Most people are. <laughs> I have to see it. Okay. You guys ready for the Bugs Life score? Yeah. The exact same. Yeah, for they sure. They are both 92%. Critics were like, yeah, they're just as good. They're the same. I remember seeing this this movie as a child. Uh, Ants it is a fifty two percent by audience. Uh, and uh, should I go to go ahead and read the synopsis? Yeah, please. Z is the name of the ant. Z, the worker ant, played by Willie Woody Allen, strives to reconcile his own individuality with the communal work ethic of the ant colony. He falls in love with Ant Princess Bala Sharon Stone. Z strives to make social inroads and then must save the ant colony from the treacherous scheming of the evil general mandible, Gene Hackman, that threatened to wipe out the entire worker population. Uh, yes, we will be doing this next week. Director Eric Darnell, Tim Johnson, written by Todd Alcott, Chris Weitz, Paul Weitz. We got Woody Allen, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Sylvester Stallone, Christopher Walken, Danny Glover, Dan Aykroyd. J-Lo, Anne Bancroft, John Mahoney, Brandon, and <laughs> Frazier. He plays uh, oh, yeah. Greb's drunk scout voice. Okay, I can't, wait. can't, can't wait for that. I know, R.I.P. Um, yep, that'll be, that'll be Ants next week. I think we've only done like one other animated movie, which was Hotel Transylvania. So this will be, yeah. this will be a fun little road to travel down. Um, it has been a true pleasure uh yeah, going on the empire records journey with you two i feel like i've the I, I don't know i've i've gained something from watching the movie definitely gained something from talking to you guys it's it's been an enriching experience um cara is there anything else you want to share with the the polar kingdom out there or, or with us or anything you want to you want to just like send send to the world like Full send it. Any sort of energy you want to be sending yeah, or anything send. we should be looking out for. Where's that BDE? In our Ever, lives or in your life. Let, should be Carl, for let everybody know about our new podcast oh, that's uh, true. about euphoria. Yeah. Oh, I will. Cool. Yeah. I'm about euphoria. to try this which euphoria character filter on Instagram right now. So oh, should I do it? God. Should I should, should I live? find out? Can you do it live? Well, okay, can but I, James, you don't know I, the characters. I, that's fine. Can I can I just tell you what character I think you're gonna be? Okay. Go ahead. Tell me. You're going to be Lexi. Oh, is she the sister of Yep, of Cassie. Her name? Hey, I I like her. She's a she's a I mean, she's the fucking best. Very, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I and see I, that. And I think given the opportunity to like say anything that you want on, on this in this moment of time, this is such an awesome way to spend it. I I love this. <laughs> This is great. Wait, you could so, have been like, oh, I don't know. Wait, See, uh, it's been a fun time. Talk to you later. Like I'm, I did. Like that's. It's boring for me to do that. But like you're like, I'm gonna uh, live stream. See what Euphoria character. I, I think that's great. I am promoting Cara, Who do you think? Yeah. Who do you who do think, think you're? You? Yeah. No. Predict you. Okay. No. I want. Okay. I definitely want you to predict who I you think I am. But then I I also want to hear first who you think you would be. Mm. 
who I would be, who you think yeah. you will be, or the fil- or Instagram. Who is who, who would you like? Who would you want to be, or who do you th- think you most relate to? And oh, I'm totally be- Lexi. I mean, I don't know if I want to be her, but I totally am her. Like she is like okay. Just to give you like a like an idea of who she is, she's like kind of like the straight girl, like very innocent, will do the right thing, but, um, smart and, and and sweet, like a good friend. Yeah. Guys, I'm just such a great person. Like, now you're just talking about yourself. Yeah, she doesn't like. Full- now I sound like I'm yeah. full of myself. Oh. All right, yeah. do it. Let's get it rolling then. I'm such a Maddie. Oh, you're a Maddie. Okay. I don't know oh, what this means, but I'm I wouldn't have thought of that. But well, now who, I know who, who, what kind of person you are. Who, who do you think I am? Uh, I need to think of all the characters. Um. I would say Jules and Maddie are closest to me. Mm. I think you should. Are you going to do the do the quiz, Cara? I'm. I'm. I'm oh like, yeah. I'm Let me do this first. Know. I'm dying to know over <laughs> here. James even totally though I don't even know. Oh, I found in this in this time that I've been waiting though. Um, I think I might have found out which Empire Records character uh, character are you. So I will take this quiz while you take that. If I if I can do it in quick enough time. Oh, I am. Um, Rue. Oh my god, I don't remember people's names. Uh what's her name? Jules. I'm Jules. Jules, yeah. Jules. Yeah. I sympathize with her so much. Yeah. I do sure. too. Um, I would say you're like that new character that Rue, like yeah. the one that Rue starts doing drugs with. Yeah, I'd yeah. say you'd you'd be him. Yeah, I get that. Cause like it's something that I really appreciate about his character is, is that he right off the bat goes like I don't know if we're like this is good and like it's really understanding of like greater purpose and like what effects that uh things can have because I, I I definitely agree like in the like any association I would have to like drug culture is is that like I don't frown upon it at all it's just it is it can serve like you getting to certain emotional places that are can hinder you or be beneficial to you. It's really up to you to do that. Um, I also yeah. feel like you're just kind of uh, yeah, like you don't really, you're not really judging anyone. You're just kind of like, he's just kind of there and like going with the flow of things and like, chill about that like oh, right like he's like on his own different wavelength and then yeah but the fact that rue is coming into that and being like even in the episode talking about like i'm okay with this not being okay is just like yeah. oh man so but we should stop because james is eventually gonna watch this <laughs> i don't want to i mean okay. none of it's like total spoilers at all but i would fucking love i was to trying to get this empire a, record a for your podcast yeah, you guys should do it. I was trying to oh, get you should totally do it, Kara. Text me if you really want to do it. I, I just so, have to remember the character names because I forgot. <laughs> I mean, if Kara, uh, if we were going to start a podcast about Euphoria, I'm so down to start from the beginning of it and do like episode by episode to get us there because like I'd totally watch it again. Well, I think like, James needs to be a part of it then because he's been wanting to watch it. And so well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start from season one happened? and then we'll go through it together. We'll have yeah, James be, be a guest on our podcast for well, sure. I'm, just I'll, like, can I don't I be the forever guest like, like here? Yeah, he can just be exactly. the guest every week. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, all that's exact. That's exactly what I do on this podcast. I'm not the host. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just like here every week because, uh, Brand, I, 
Brandon's trying to get rid of me, but I refuse to to leave. I'm not so trying to get rid of you. Uh, I I guess I'm just so I uh, I guess I'm really all about Kara, like and me starting this podcast and then us, because then it just means like we should get other people to talk about it because I think there's a really a great potential for us to like I don't know like this sh- uh, euphoria is so insane. Like, I think even if people were to watch one episode of it and not even know what's going on, it's not like totally a deal breaker. It's just like so much insane shit happens each episode and like getting people to talk about it and be like, holy shit, especially people our age, too, because it's like it's like super it gets like really crazy for like and I don't know the criticism that I was making a little bit is like for also the sake of being crazy, which is just, yeah, really exacerbates the like situations that they're in. We're like, holy shit. Like, fuck man. I don't know. Like, Oh man, this is, I don't know how to deal with it. And I'm 30 years old. How are these teenagers going to deal with it? I'm not, I'm not really on TikTok, but I've seen like those TikTok like videos of like, like where they're like change your uniform or like uh, have you guys seen it of like where like they are like these kids are on their way to school and they're like like dressed like all yeah. covered up uh-huh. and then like they're like I think the voice is like or the audio is like change your uniform or something like that and then mm-hmm. like have to change yeah. into something like really scandalous because uh-huh. they go to Euphoria High School <laughs> like, uh-huh. like it's just like everyone there dresses so scandalously or something like that. Mm. Is you the, guys ready for uh, for my Empire Records character? Yes. Sorry Ooh, how did you find this? This was a much longer quiz than I thought. That was gonna be quick. Oh, it's not an Instagram. Factor. That's why I was. I was. I mean, obviously, I don't know about Euphoria, so that's why I wasn't talking. But I was very intent on answering all thirty questions as quick as I could. And turns out, I'm Mark. <laughs> that's why Wait. I like Mark so much. It's great. Yeah. So I'm Mark. If you guys ever, ever want to take it, let me know. I, I, I feel like you, I would be Lucas if I took that quiz. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, I think I would be Lucas in it. I think I would just like, I would probably be Liv Tyler. I mean, you were already, you're already channeling Liv Tyler already. Right. Yeah. Or, no, I mean, sorry. I, what do you say? <sighs> I no, I guess. So yeah. I, I agree with you guys. I don't really like her character, but I, I like totally. Yeah. looking at her she's like really beautiful and i like looking at her but um, who would you want to be mm-hmm. joe i mean your your choices really are renee zellweger and uh robin oh, you Turney. can pick whoever you want oh yeah you okay. can pick boys too Go um i'd probably say renee zellweger like i like uh what's her name deb a little bit because i also have that like energy within me where i'm like fuck sure. the man but like she's kind of too much like i don't think i'm like down to like myself and like go to extremes but like i there is some like you know I, I keep using the word punk but like there is some punk energy in me where i'm like fuck the norm like fuck the status quo kind of thing so well, yeah I, which is totally a renee yeah yeah and she does she totally does that in her own way where she's like, I she can do whatever does. I want. And like, oh my God, I admire yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I totally too. admire that. For sure. but I, I, I tend to be more reserved. um, Like Liv Tyler, I guess. I mean, if, if she's even reserved, but I tend like people look at me and they're like, oh, you're like this like cute little girl. But like. But you're Renee. More. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
You are such a Renee. <laughs> Definitely not a Maddie, though. <laughs> she is that crazy that I said that? I was like Maddie because I. I think it's hilarious. That. Like now, I just see a different side to you, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you are a wild child. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. It's it's been so much fun. Um, you can find us on polarized uh, pod at twitter polarized pod on twitch polarized the pod at gmail.com if you have any uh thoughts requests uh ideas you know different movies that you might think would be good to talk about um oh, that's yeah and then also idea. please uh please review us on apple itunes uh rate and review on there helps us um other than that brandon is there anything that you would like to share or should we just talk about Euphoria for another hour? Uh, no, no, because again, that's going to be for our other <laughs> podcast. But um, no, no, you said it. Uh, also, too, follow us on Twitter as well. Um, I, I need to get into better habit of posting every time we do stuff. But yeah, I would really, we'll be better. Uh, we'll be better. Uh, hashtag uh, be better. And <laughs> no, it, but yeah, like if you want to connect with us on Twitter, I think that, um, yeah, I'm going to uh, be on there a lot more, I guess is what I'm getting at. So like if you want to uh, get involved, like talk to us or like reach out or whatever, like uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, Polarize the Pod, right? Polarize Pod on Twitter. Polarize uh, Pod. And then Polarize yes. the Pod at, at Gmail if you want to send us Correct. a line that way. Either way, uh, we will take it. We're a new and upcoming podcast. and. Uh, you guys, anyone out there who's listening, we really, we really appreciate you. This is a lot of fun that we like to have. We hope it transcends to your earbuds um, sure. because these buds love spending wow. time <laughs> together and uh, we just want to spread the love and, uh, and uh, talk about movies and show that it doesn't have to be so hyperbolic binary. We like this. You hate this. Sometimes it is, but we can do it in a respectful, fun way. We will see you next week for ants. Uh, love you guys. Love you, Polar Kingdom. We'll see you next time. Thank Bye -bye. you, Brandon and James, for having me on. This was really fun. Of course. Carl, you are welcome yeah. anytime. Anytime. And also, this uh, episode should be titled Pie Record slash Euphoria. Yeah, uh -huh. I think so too. <laughs> hey, I mean, you guys are trying to. Uh, just take this as your launching pad off off into your podcast. <laughs> I kind of love it. I'm I'm okay with it. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll just partition the little slash euphoria into this into this very special episode. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, all right, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.